Man, we got these brioche buns for our hot dogs. These shits are so good. They are. I just made some the other night with my oh. uh, shits. Brioche buns. Or, well, yeah, mine were hamburger buns, but same shit. Yeah. I'm a fan of food, man. Yeah, dude, brioche is fucking awesome. It's like soft and like buttery and oh, right. so good. Oh, it's fucking delectable. Yeah. It's seriously like the best bread that you can like put in your mouth. Um, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. I don't know what I would consider the best bread, but it's not brioche. Oh, no, dude. Brioche is so good. Sounds like a Pokemon brioche. Right? It kind of does. Is there, um, is there, like, I was thinking about this today. Uh, is there any, like, specific type of candy that you guys just absolutely fucking hate? Hate? Yeah, most of the Mexican candies that Sabrina gives me, I fucking hate them. <laughs> really? Dude, I love yeah, Mexican candies. No, they have some weird shit on there, dude. I'm not a fan of, like, the tamarindo or whatever it's called. That is disgusting. What's um, the What's the gel? The gel one that you, like, squirt up? What in the actual fuck does that mean? I don't even know. <laughs> The me- that's like a, a Mexican candy brand. I can't remember what it is though. Hell it's like a, no, it's like a push pop, but it's like Ugh, no. Yeah. But it's like it's like jelly. Squirt straight sugar juice in my mouth, dude. Honestly, fuck. God, oh, damn. candy corn, bro. Fuck. Oh yeah, I'm not uh, a fan, dude. Fuck no. you guys, candy corn's awesome. It's just dude. pure sugar. The smell, the something about the smell of and yeah, the, the smell gets me, man. Yeah, dude, the smell makes me want to fucking punch a newborn. I hate mm. that shit so much. I don't know why you. I don't know if I've ever been pushed that far, but. (laughs) And the, uh, I can't. I don't. I don't know what they're called, like the brand, but they're like, um, they taste exactly like candy corn, but they're like in the shape of actual pumpkins. Mm, Candy pumps. Is that what it is? Pumpkins. Oh yeah. Oh, that's one hundred percent too. Holy shit! I love that they call those candy uh, like candy corns and candy pumpkins, and there's literally nothing to them but sugar. They should just yeah. call them sugar pumpkins sugar or sugar pumps. corn. Yeah. Makes more sense. Whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's almost time for Halloween. <clears throat> I can't fucking wait. Close. Yeah, summer went quickly. Yeah. I'm going to have to fucking... <laughs> can't wait for Spirit Halloween to open. I love going in there and just seeing the house decorations. Mm. That place is genuinely awful. Wait. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the one. Is that the one that comes across? Like, is it the one that goes in the mall? Uh, Yeah. Spirit Halloween. In the Mall of Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, I think they put one in the Mall of Georgia. Yeah, it's it's like right outside of uh, P.F. Chang's or close to P.F. Chang's. I don't know. I just feel like there could be better quality. I know last year it was. Oh, excuse me. Fuck. It was uh, in uh, Toys R Us. They were Babies R Us. It was in the store? Yeah, like it took over that. Where the oh, Toys I was R about Us, to say, it's R Us R really right weird to have, you know, horrifying, monstrous things inside of a baby store, but whatever. Honestly. Do you guys I mean, know aside from Toys the babies R Us themselves. The there's one still open. Is Toys R Us actually a thing still? Didn't they get redeemed? Yeah, some like... Some like 
fucking millionaire bought them and like bought them out of their debt and is reopening it. Only a millionaire? Jesus. That's not where it's at anymore. But they, uh, I think they're, they're supposed to be changing the name of it. It's going to be called like Jeffrey's Toy Box or something. Oh, let's just make it even more dumb. That's creepy. Yeah, that's straight dumb, dude. Like that's that sounds like some pedo shit. Like Jeffrey's toy box. That sounds weird. I don't. I'm I mean, I didn't go that route. But if that's where we're at, I mean, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> I mean, it'll be cool because like Toys R Us, Toys R like mm. even for like adult collectors, Toys R Us got a lot of really cool exclusive shit. Even hearing the phrase "adult collectors" just does not sound right to me. No, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Welcome. You are listening to Hunting Pixels. Hunting Pixels. Hunting Pixels. You got it. You, do you want to host? <clears throat> no, but I could do a better job. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's host? just the catchiest part of the beginning to me. Okay. And you always say it with this kind of creepy tone. Hmm. Okay. Please tell me more. <laughs> that it's creepy. <laughs> it's the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Bop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, it's about that time again. Um, right? We've been hard at work playing games and watching media for your entertainment. And we've got so much to talk about that we wanted to sit back and grace you all with another catch-up episode. Uh, we'll be talking about all the games we played and all the media we've consumed over the past week, all for your entertainment. I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan Dizzy from the Block Martin and Austin Do You Bleed Stevens. Mm. How's it going today? I don't know what his means. I don't know what it does either, but... Uh, well, you were dizzy from the block, uh, which I have to assume is a reference to the one and only Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Mm. and she is dating or, uh, I say is dating was slash is dating Ben Affleck who, uh, had the, Mm. uh, had the good old line. Do you bleed from Batman versus Superman? Nice. Okay. It's crazy. Yeah. You came in here expecting us to know that. Yeah, I had no idea what that was. I was like, mm, okay. But the shitty thing is, is that I've actually seen the movie. Why would you subject yourself to that, honestly? Um, I'm not a, you know, movie snob. I enjoyed it. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah, I have no problems with enjoying bad movies. <laughs> Neither do I. Horror is my favorite genre, after all. Yeah, there's a lot in that subcategory. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Well. Like, the first Nightmare on Elm Street is awful. I might have to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> might have to end the podcast and come beat you up. He said, well, that was it. I've had <laughs> um, 
Okay, well, yeah. Uh, no bullshit this week, guys. No fucking 20-minute derailings, thank Christ. Nope. Um, I watched Old this week. You guys aware of what Old is? No. Nope. <laughs> Fair enough. What I feel like. Uh, what we all felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Old is the newest M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, it was released... Uh, Almost a week ago. So, uh, came out on Friday or Thursday, one of the two. Um, and it is basically, um, uh, it's actually based on a graphic novel, which I didn't know until the credits started rolling. Uh, but it is based on, or I mean, not, oh my Christ, I'm already getting fucked up. Uh, <clears throat> it's based on a graphic novel, but. Oh, also, we we've I have already completely missed the boat on the F word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot that was a thing. That was I'm a thing. Going. Yeah, I am. I don't know how. Completely messed that up. Anyway, so it's about this family who goes to this uh, like beach retreat to kind of get away. Um, it's this is no secret. It's said in like the first like 10 minutes of the movie but the mom has cancer and she is not going to deal with it and her and her uh, husband are also about to split up so this tropical resort family vacation thing is supposed to be like their last hurrah for their kids before all the bad shit happens right well they're there the head of the hotel is like hey we know that you guys have uh, you know been going through some shit and that's why you're here so how about you guys just go to this secret beach and uh it's very secluded and blah 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 only you guys are gonna go well they go uh and they're actually met by two separate couples uh one of which has the guy's mother going with them they get there everything's going all right and then they find out uh, that they their cells start aging rapidly on the beach. Like it's an, at an accelerated rate. And uh, kind of madness ensues. So uh, this... <sighs> uh, what are your guys' feelings on M. Night Shyamalan? Not great. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a movie that I can say that I like. The Sixth Sense? I didn't like it. <laughs> really? I mean, it's... Yeah, but I also had it spoiled for me before I actually saw it, I think, so... Okay. Not shocking to me. Uh, and I'm not going back to watch it as, like, a full-grown adult, because I'm still not a full-grown adult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what about... Um, did either of you guys see, like, The Visit or... Uh, I mean, Split was his big one. That kind of, like, quote him. I mean, Split was average. Like, I, like I that one wasn't Split. bad. Mm. Okay, well, so he is very, very hit or miss for me. And I love a lot of his earlier work. Like, The Sixth Sense, I think, is great. Uh, Unbreakable, I think, is great. Signs, I think, is great. And say what you will, but I really fucking like The Village. I, I really think that the village is excellent. Uh, well, not, not excellent. It's, it's great. Um, 
after that, he kind of falls off a little bit. I remember really liking Lady in the Water when I first watched it, but I went back to it uh, probably three or four years ago, and it was not good. Uh, the Happening sucked. The Last Airbender sucked. Uh, I didn't even bother with After Earth, the, the Will Smith movie with him and uh, Jaden. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like he took a forever long break, but it was only like two years and he came back with a visit and I fucking love the visit. I think the visit might be his best movie uh, in, in terms of like entertainment value. Uh, it, his best movie is probably still signs, but anyway, anyway, so um, I went into this thinking, okay, I know it's a Shyamalan movie, but it's got a great cast, and as long as he doesn't try to fuck it up with like a twist that kind of comes out of nowhere, like we're we're Gucci, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching it, and I'm watching it, and there is a great cast, like a really really fucking great cast, who really nail everything that he asked them to do. And there are some really effective moments of filmmaking in this. Like there's one scene in particular that I thought was, it wasn't necessarily scary for me so much because uh, I mean, there aren't many movies that really scare me, but, but I can see other people being very upset and and scared by it. Um, but anyway, that's near the end of the movie, and I think it's really effective, right? Yeah. Uh, the, really, the cinematography, cinematography as a whole is mostly really good, but there are, like, directorial and, and specifically cinematography-related stuff that I was like, I don't fucking understand what you're trying to do here. Like there are parts where like, so most of it's really good, right? Like when you, when you want to see like when they're trying to showcase the aging and stuff like that, there are shots where it like comes in really close. Like it's a very, very close shot of someone's face and you can start to see like the wrinkles and stuff like that. And I think that that is awesome. But then there are other parts where it will, like, just kind of, like, hold into nothing. Like, like there's one shot in particular that I remember where it's looking up and there's, like, a group of people, like, kind of, like, coming into frame. But, like, it's only, like, parts of their face. It's never, like, anything that you can grasp onto and it's just kind of focused right in the middle at the sky. And for the life of me, I could not figure out why it was doing that. And I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on film language and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I watch movies all the time and I, I get stuff out of them that other people don't necessarily get out of them. And there were just parts of this movie that were straight up baffling, like just, I had no clue what was going on, but, um, the acting is really, really good. Pretty much all the way around. There were some moments that I was like, uh, I don't know about this. And 
I don't necessarily think that it was the acting per se. It was just the writing was really, really, really up and down. Like I liked almost everything the movie was doing. Like I thought that it really had like it kind of hit you in the face with its themes a little bit, but like it tied it all together. And like, there was even some like really nice, like metaphoric stuff going on, like having it set on the beach and the beach is like this unending thing, kind of like time. And like, you don't have a whole lot of time. And like the whole theme of the movie is kind of like to, to like live in the moment and day by day stuff like that. That's kind of the theme that at least that I got from it. And like having that, that, you know, the water, being the metaphor for time and then you aging rapidly was like really nice. I like, I thought that was a really good piece of writing, mm-hmm. but, but then there are like bits and pieces that just like are like so forced. Like there's this one in interaction with, uh, uh, Ken Leung's character, Jaren, and he meets, uh, one of the other characters. Um, I don't remember his name, uh, uh, Ch- Charles. Yeah. Charles. Uh, he meets him and they're like, Oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm a nurse. Like it, he says something like, hi, my name is Jerry and I'm a nurse. Hmm. And it's like, why would you be saying that? Like that doesn't like what, what, hmm. why would you immediately jump to like, I'm a nurse? Like, it, it just doesn't, I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense the way it was written. And there's, there's some things right in the dialogue that I was just like, ugh, like, what are you doing, dude? But, um, the, the one thing that really, really made this movie, like I could have probably gotten, like, I could have probably forgiven a lot of that. But the thing that really was like the 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 final like stab in the back that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not sure that I really like this movie was at the very end. There is a moment of um, a, a kind of tries to tell you why the people are there at the beach, like why they got put on the beach specifically. And. I really think that it fucks with the themes that they're going for. And I really hate the final 10 minutes of this movie. I really think that it just takes everything that was built. The, the last hundred or so minutes of the movie just completely throws it away. And I, I fucking hate the ending to this movie. Because it really does, it, it's not necessarily a twist per se, but it really kind of does away with everything else that the movie had been doing, and it just feels way out of left field, and almost feels like a like M Night say, being like, "Well, if I don't explain why they went to the or why they got sent to the beach, then people will leave upset." And I'm me thinking to myself, I was like, "No." No, don't tell them. That makes it all like all the better. Like if you have to sit and think about it, it makes it better. But 
I don't know. And the the last shot of the movie I also thought was just really fucking stupid. Like really, really stupid. But I don't know. It's it's not a bad movie per se. It's just aggressively mediocre. And I I wish I wish that there was more to it. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, I, I'm I don't know, man. I I really ugh, I don't know. That's wild. I <clears throat> I've I'm gonna be honest, I've only ever seen one M. Night Shyamalan movie that I know for a fact he was the director. Mm. And that was The Last Airbender. Mm. And that's a really bad fucking movie, and I don't even care about the source material. And it's still a pretty fucking bad movie. And oh, yeah. I don't know. I've just I've never gone at like if I see a movie and I think it looks interesting and I see his name at the end of it, I'm like, mm, I'll wait. Not I mean, too, essentially, yeah, I have I don't have any good feelings about him. It's like I know he's made great movies, you know, apparently, but yeah, I don't know. I just see a movie and I see his name tagged onto it. And it's like, I'll pass. Like he's the kind of director where like it, like if someone's coming over and like they bring an in Night Shyamalan movie, like. Sure, I'll watch it, but like I'm not paying to watch it. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to go to my. <laughs> I'm shitting on the man. <laughs> it's terrible. I feel bad. I don't know. I, uh, what did you say about the happening? Uh, I think the happening has a really fucking cool concept that I wish it wasn't saddled to that movie with, if that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, but because that one was like. The, I'm not going to say that I killing. liked it, but right. Like, <clears throat> and I, I think that the message that that one in particular is trying to send is kind of cool. You know, it's an environmentalist message and shit like that. But like at the same time, dude, your movie's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fucking awful, <laughs> but I don't know. That was just one of those, like, it's so weird. Some of the concepts that he comes up with. And like you said, I actually really liked the underlying message of the happening, but it was delivered on a rusty platter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was old. Uh, Austin. But this is new. This is new. Austin didn't watch anything this week, so it's nope. It's all up to Disney. D- Dizzy? Not Disney. To entertain us. Well, it is both. Austin, you didn't do anything this week? Uh, Like, I didn't watch anything significant. I was in so much pain this weekend that I just watched comfort shows that I've seen a million fucking times. I didn't right. watch shit. He watched well, Evangelion for the 18,000. Literally. <laughs> literally. I watched Evangelion in Brooklyn Nine-Nine for like the 10,000th fucking time. <laughs> well, at least it made you feel better. It did. It helped. Uh, So 100 Foot Wave, the second episode came out of that. I don't know if it was Sunday or Monday. I don't know. But um, I actually watched it today because I had a beautiful day off. And, man, this stepped it up from the first episode that I talked about last week. It really, as you know, the first episode kind of touched base on what these guys have done in the past leading up to the moment where the the main guy, Grant McNamara, got his big wave. Um, and then the second episode kind of takes it and runs with it and it shows him getting his 78 foot wave which is fantastic and beautiful leading up to it and like they have just how they tell stories is really unparalleled 
Um, like these guys are people that you would want to sit around a campfire with and just let them regale you with tales. Like these are people that can really captivate you with what they're saying. And, um, it, it, I don't know, it gets coupled with really beautiful cinematography and it makes you care about something you didn't know you cared about. Um, but it, I don't know, it was just, it's really cool seeing the critical reception that, um, he got after getting his 78 foot wave, like it, how it just blew up all the way across the world. Um, it, it did a great job at showing that. And, and it kind of makes me wonder, you know, where the series is headed though, because like I said, he has that wave under his belt. That's the biggest wave that he's ever ridden. Um, so I don't know if the series is leading up to him actually getting a 100 foot wave or not, or if this is more like the journey along the way trying to find it and maybe episode six rolls around and it all comes down to you know what he can never find it but the story along the way has been beautiful like that's the direction i'm wondering if it's going and if that's the case they still do it really well because there were two episodes in but this is something i look forward to seeing every week now and just being able to hear the tales that go along with a topic that I, it's not that I don't care about because I, I, I do love surfing, but it's like, I just don't follow it. I didn't keep up with all this history that went along with it, but getting to watch it, it, it just hooks you in, man. And I still recommend it. I, I don't even have a pick of the week this week. That might just be it again, just cause I think people need to see it. Interesting. Awesome. I, I, uh, you said this is on HBO, right? Yeah. HBO max. Cool. That, this is going to be something that I'm adding uh, as soon as we finish the series that we're on right now. Uh, there's, um, I'll talk about it next week, but there's one called the Lady and the or Lady and the Dale that is really interesting. Um, Dale, <clears throat> yeah. What is a Dale? Uh, well, or is that just someone's name? <laughs> uh, it, it is a um, vehicle from the '70s. It's a three wheeled vehicle from the '70s. Oh, I, I, we'll get into it in. Oh, next week when I when I talk about right. It. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, you and I had something similar uh, that we watched this weekend that we both watched some documentaries docu docu series sort of. Um, I watched WWE's Ruthless Aggression. So this is a docu series that came out last year, and it's about the era in the WWE that took place from roughly 2002 to 2008 which was like directly following the attitude era. Um, <clears throat> so uh, for those of you who are not, um, I guess, well-versed on this, basically the way that this started, right, was around the time that uh, the attitude era started, the WWF or WWE, whatever you want to go with, uh, was kind of in, I don't want to say in flux, but they finally had a competitor in WCW that really kind of <clears throat> made them like have to take a sort of, uh, <laughs> I, I, like look inwards and be like, Hmm, 
we've got some real computation. We've, we've got to fucking do something about this. And so that's when the Attitude Era started. And you had factions like Degeneration X or um, there was, you know, <clears throat> Stone Cold Steve Austin became popular during this time. And then The Rock started his, like, kind of uptrend and stuff like that. And there were, like, it really kind of turned into, like, adult television, whereas, like, before it had been kind of like, this is for everybody. But you had stuff like uh, Sable walking around in, in, in a bikini on TV and, like, uh, all these characters that were really, like, very edgy. I guess would be the best word to describe it. But anyway, so all that stuff happens. And then finally they put WCW out of business and the WWE buys WCW. Um, and <clears throat> this is around 2002 and that's when the, uh, ruthless aggression era begins. And the reason that it is caused, uh, called this, uh, is because of a speech that Vince McMahon gives in ring, uh, during I think it was a raw episode on in in 2002 <clears throat> anyway and basically this documentary kind of runs down all of that buildup but then also kind of goes into uh, several different things including the rise of John Cena the faction known as evolution it, it goes into like the brand split which also happened around this time and it takes really nice looks at all of this stuff. Uh, and I, I think that for the most part, it's, it's really well done. Like there are a lot of like really good interviews that like I had never heard before. And there's some really candid shit in here. And the thing about it is it's really well put together and, and all that stuff and has some, <clears throat> some really awesome like episodes but it has a very similar problem to what I had issues with with their Monday Night Wars documentary in that parts of the storytelling don't make sense. Like, they have an episode focused on John Cena as part two, and that kind of makes sense because John Cena was the rising star out of the ruthless aggression era. He was the one who kind of like from that 2002 ish sort of year, because I don't think he actually hit the main roster in 2002. I, I could be totally wrong, but I don't think that he did. Um, and he kind of was the one who carried WWE through the quote unquote hard times and okay so that makes sense to have that at number two but then you have the third episode focus on i think it was evolution and evolution is cool but it kind of didn't come until later in the era and like it also didn't do a good enough job of I felt like showing the rising talent that was coming out of OVW at the time, which was Ohio Valley wrestling. Like it, 
and it kind of goes into some of that with with the Brock Lesnar episode and with the with the John Cena episode because they it talks about OVW in those episodes and even a little bit in the in the Evolution episode. But it's so brief and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that these rising talents that came into the WWE during this time didn't get their own episode. It also kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they kind of rushed the whole like brand split into one episode. It feels like to me what should have happened is they should have taken a more structured approach to it where they kind of go into it from a, uh, almost like a chronological basis because a lot of the stuff that's happening during this era is really interesting. If you look at it for its place in time, like Brock Lesnar was only in the WWE for two fucking years. He was only in the WWE for two years if you had moved his episode up to number two and talked about it, like as you're talking about the whole beginning of the ruthless aggression era and how it all came to be. And then you bring in the Brock Lesnar episode, like that makes so much more sense to me, but all said and done, I really think that this docu docu series is really fun to watch uh, especially if you are like a newcomer to wrestling or if it's some, something that you have like a vague passing interest in and you want to learn more because th- something that I think that they're doing really well with the WWE original series, something that they had started on their network and is now on Peacock. Uh, sounds like a sponsorship. I know. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that they're doing with these series is they really giving like, really nice, like sort of like history lessons. And I love that kind of shit. Like I love wrestling. Like I've loved wrestling for a very long time, but like, I don't know everything. And, and watching this sort of stuff really like informed me to some of the stuff that I had no idea about. Like there was a fact that I, like I knew that Brock Lesnar had been in the WWE for a very short amount of time, but then I was under the impression that he left to go pursue MMA, but actually he went to play professional football, something that I thought he had done before WWE. So when you take that into consideration, he goes to play for the Minnesota Vikings, right? Like he, he goes and tries out, he is under practice squad. And he is the last player that they cut off their practice squad or off their, off their main roster. Like he was like, uh, it's a 59 man roster or something like that. He was number 60. And what's crazy about that is Brock Lesnar had not played football since high school. Like that's fucking insane, dude. Like that dude's a beast and whatever. But like, that's something that I didn't know. And this, this documentary brought that to light. And I was like, that's fucking cool, man. Like I really, really wish that they just gave a little bit more thought into the whole process. But overall, if you've got Peacock and, and you have any sort of passing interest in wrestling, go watch this and go watch the Monday night wars. It's really, really interesting stuff. 
So that's my issue is I don't have Peacock and I refuse because they took the office away and fuck them. <laughs> like I'm just going to buy the office Blu-ray set. But um, I grew up with redneck anime around the time that we're talking about from the attitude era into the ruthless aggression era. So this is something I probably would have watched <laughs> had I had Peacock. Um, but I don't know. That, that was just a fun time in wrestling because you got to see a lot of different uh, personalities emerge. And then a lot of people who would go on to do when well, I say a lot of people, when I, th- I primarily mean Batista and John Cena who emerged from that era to go on to be pretty big name actors by today's standards, you know, like, uh, Batista is now in the fucking Marvel universe and John Cena is front and center in the new suicide squad movie. So it's kind of weird to think about, but they, those are two people that emerged from that era and wrestling. And I don't know. It was a fun time back then. Um, the whole Brock Lesnar thing blows my mind. Cause I didn't know he went back to football. I thought he went to MMA right after that. Um, cause that's where, you know, of course I know him from that era in wrestling, but like, I really know him from his MMA stint because he did well in it, um, for a little bit before he ultimately dropped the ball. Um, but I don't know, man, it, it sounds like a fun franchise. And if Peacock, not franchise or a series, if Peacock has a trial, I would consider getting it just to watch that. Because as it's going right now, I'm suddenly finding myself interested in docu-series. So, I don't know. It sounds like a good time. Yeah, I like I said, I really enjoyed this. I'm a little bit biased because I love wrestling, but um, yeah. Yeah. And the main topic. No, now, the, now the stuff that you guys have wanted to talk yes. about for weeks. Yes. <clears throat> All right, I watched Loki. That's it. Yeah, I was about to say, let's just move on. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so let's, let's, uh, spoiler warning, I'll put a time, uh, stamp in the, um, all right, in the, in the show notes. I could, of the, nope. uh, of the work that I was looking for. Um, so you can avoid this if you, uh, want to. So how, how, how do you guys feel like, all of you are all of you. Yeah. The two of you like in, in like the biggest top down view that you can get. Like, how do you guys feel? Oh no, I need to hear your opinion. I've been waiting two weeks for this shit. I want to know what you think. I love it. I mean, personally, it's fucking great, but I really want to know what you think about it. Okay. Well, um, uh, I, I'm not sure that I love it as much as you guys, but I thought it was really, really good. Good. Um, so I am, it, it might be my favorite of the, um, MCU TV series. So there is that, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. There's something about it that just feels not quite as like I I don't want to say polished because that's not really the right word, but it feels like more thought was put into um like a lot of the stuff in uh um. Oh my God, WandaVision. 
like in terms of like the the story and stuff uh in that i feel like wandavision is kind of a separate but it is its own little entity and i feel like it definitely has ties to the mcu and has like a story that comes directly from the mcu but to me it feels completely in and of itself it is mm-hmm. just its own thing and i feel like loki is almost that but it also wants to do stuff that'll be like this is definitely going to have implications for the MCU so you need to watch it does that make sense yeah for sure and and for me it kind of knocks it down because just just a tad because i feel like if it didn't need to do that or didn't feel like it needed to do that i feel like it would be the best one hands down um but anyway so I really, really like a lot of what they did with the cinematography in this. I think that it has one of the most striking visual styles of any of the MCU-like things. It feels very much like WandaVision in that, where like it's taking a specific style... Well, and WandaVision was a little bit different because it it didn't take its own specific style. It kind of like it did have its own style, but it was kind of just but it borrowed from. Yeah, exactly. The history. Right. So and this one to me, I'm like, this is like the most visually striking thing that the MCU has done since probably. Oh, I don't know, like probably Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Or or Thor Ragnarok at le- at least Thor Ragnarok right, and it was very arresting. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, and I didn't want to take my eyes off the screen, like at all. Yeah. And usually when I'm when I'm watching TV, like I'll have my phone in my hand and I'm I'm like multitasking and doing shit like that. But like this, I didn't want to take my ass off the screen because it looked so awesome the entire mm. time. Um. And I, th- I think that part of that has to do with production design uh, on top of the cinematography. Like, things just look interesting, like the physical props and shit that are there. But, like, it is really, really well lit and has a lot of really nice framing in almost every scene. And I love the lighting. Like, th- like I said, there's just color everywhere. Um, and even when it's, even when it's not like when, when you're looking at like the first two episodes where it's, um, kind of drab, like, like, I don't want to say sepia, but like kind of like tan and brown, it still has these little flourishes, like the clock character, this bright orange pop in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed most is that you have these super colorful parts throughout the series. But then when it all goes back to the TVA, it kind of gives you this, I'm not, I feel like rustic is the wrong word, but it, it's a lot of the color schemes that you're talking about, the tans and the browns. But even then it still looks good. And I, like the pop from the little clock character, 
I like that a lot because it kind of gives me fallout vibes in a way, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. They just, they did so well with all of it. Um, color wise. I'm glad you pointed that out because that was something that I feel like the other two, uh, Disney plus series. I mean, it was fine in WandaVision towards the end, but Loki really took it and ran with it because this one was vibrant, colorful. And I like the comparison to like guardians of the galaxy, because that was one of the more colorful and vibrant series that I had seen around that time. And this one kind of does the same thing. It just expands on it and it's beautiful. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. Um, I really like Tom Hiddleston in this. I, n- I know that that's not saying much cause hey, everyone fucking loves Loki, but I, I never, he was never a character that I really latched onto. I thought he was fun and like, I loved his comedic relief in, uh, like Thor Ragnarok. And I, I really, just never he was never a character that I was like okay yeah I get it I understand why everybody loves Loki I'm just like okay yep cool but he's great in this like I thought he was so much fun to watch and him and Owen Wilson are like the two episodes where it's just them basically the entire two episodes I fucking loved. Like, yeah, I never thought I would say that the chemistry between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson would be one of the best things about the series, but holy shit. Yeah. Like, they crushed it together. It was, uh, dude, they're so good together. And then when they introduced the Sylphie character in episode three, I think it is. If it's not three, it's four for sure. I loved her. She is awesome. She's my favorite character in this. Like she, the actress was really, really good, but like specifically, I thought the writing for her was really fucking good. And I loved like the whole series to me kind of felt about kind of felt like it was about trust and, uh, and faith Mm -hmm. and really, when you got down to the core of the two characters, that that's why I really like you guys had said something about how the, the final fight scene or whatever was very much like a, a vision versus vision in, in WandaVision. God, that's three visions in. Right. And, and this one's more like a battle of emotion type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a battle of emotion, but it's also like, a, I thought the writing led up really well. And I, so one thing that I didn't like in that final sequence with the with the writing in particular is like th- I felt like it was a little bit hand fisted for them to be like in that battle where he's explaining uh, you can't trust anyone and I'm not meant to be trusted or whatever sort of thing. Like I was like, ah, like you didn't need that because I got all of that from the subtext, like them fighting and all of that and like. The whole lead up to that fight, I totally understood without you having to tell me that. And maybe, maybe that's something that like you had, you had to throw in for the kids because it's on Disney Plus sort of thing. But like, I didn't need that. Anyway, overall, I think this thing is excellent. Like it's fucking top tier MCU stuff. This is st- this is the kind of stuff that I've been wanting for from the MCU for years at this point. Like this is so fresh and it doesn't feel structured like the other stuff. Like 
And uh, again, like it, it, I kind of feel like it was like it felt like it needed to tie back into that stuff, but it didn't feel the way that the MCU movies feel where they are a like a B C done a B C done. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that's why I like Thor Ragnarok so much. That's why I like guardians of the galaxy so much. That's why I like captain in, or not captain in the winter soldier, the winter soldier. Yeah. So much. Those movies feel different than mm-hmm. everything else that's around them. And I, I kind of feel the same way about Spider-Man far from home or not far from home. Um, Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Homecoming. Uh, <clears throat> where it feels out of place from the rest of the MCU. Everything in the MCU is so gray and, and formulaic, and it it didn't used to be that way. The yeah. Like, fucking Iron Man was not boring and formulaic, and it wasn't gray. It, like, felt awesome and had these nice pops of color and, like, really good directing and, like, a really terrific performance. And then everything kind of started like after probably I would say Thor because Thor was 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was when it was like, okay, you're building to something or whatever with the exception of the Avengers, like the first one, <clears throat> everything I felt like was like here, this is what we have set up for you. Do this and make it look this way and make sure that everybody knows it's MCU, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would get the occasional Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok or Winter Soldier, you know, and they would feel so nice and fresh compared to everything else where everything else just felt the same. And Loki doesn't feel like that. And it's awesome. I like I love that it doesn't feel like this. Like mm-hmm. that. Uh, the only thing that I think really turned me off more so than the the feeling like it needed to turn back into the MCU was that it wasn't self-contained. They know that they're making a season two. And I, I kind of yes. wish that it ended with a more like, I, I don't want to say like ending because that's, I mean, maybe that is the word I'm searching for, but I wish that it ended. Yeah. Instead of it's a cliffhanger, you know what I mean. But that's that's yeah. that's a personal that like that's a personal gripe that whatever it's it's me being a fucking shithead or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like it's not necessarily that. I mean, I obviously wanted a season two. I don't necessarily think that I wanted a cliffhanger, but my god, they gave like. <clears throat> a lot of emotion in those last few seconds because mm-hmm. you see him get betrayed by Sylvie. And then on the same time, like you could see him crushed by that after the fact. Yeah. And then almost I mean, like he has this realization like, Oh shit, you know, something bad's happening or coming or whatever. And then he runs to the person that he now knows he can trust who is his friend. And he has no idea who it is. And it's like, what Fuck, man. I mean, you you saw him lose everything there at the end. And it's like what you were kind of saying earlier is that I never really felt the need to have a connection to Loki. I appreciated what he did. But if this series 
for the whole entire series up until that point didn't have me on Loki's side already, that last 15 minutes really captured me and put me on his side. And it's like, it really drove home a connection with him and I felt for him. And I did want a little bit more, you know, what is it? Uh, finality to it. Yeah. But I do appreciate the cliffhanger that we got. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I wish that it was self-contained because that's that's how I like my storytelling. Like I, I, I don't like feeling like, okay, yeah, there's going to be more coming up. Like I, this is something I say about sequels. The sequels should stand alone on their own. They can tie back to the original stuff, but they like, it's not like necessary for you to do that. You just tell your own story, right? Yeah. Like that's how I feel about storytelling in general. And as such, um, I, I really like when things are self-contained and I don't have to like worry about, am I missing anything? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I wish that, uh, um, it had not done that, but you know, uh, it is what it is. And you must have hated Infinity War. <laughs> well, no, so actually, I liked Infinity War because it like it did. It definitely had like a oh, there's a part two coming sort of thing to it. But um, I also kind of felt like it told its. It told its story. It told the story that it wanted to tell, which was the story of Thanos and like, or Thanos, whatever the fuck you want to call him. People call him Thanos. I've never heard Thanos before in my life. Yeah, that's apparently a thing. That uh, that would make me want to punch somebody. Yeah, it's gonna be Thanos on this podcast, buddies. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, But no, you're right because it kind of gave his story justification. You got to see him reach his ultimate goal. Uh, and if the series had have ended there, it would have been the most fucked up thing to ever happen, but it could have ended there. I mean, in theory with him looking out over the horizon, the bad guy finally won type of thing. Yeah. And I, I I love that ending personally. I think that ending's fucking awesome. (laughs) It's pretty great because it's like, holy shit. Like what a big, like, fuck you to everyone. You get to see Thanos on top of his throne essentially looking out over earth of all things like the bad guy from intergalactic level one and he's sipping coffee on a cottage that you wish you could have on earth (laughs) oh god it's fucking great i'm still i love the marvel mcu yeah i uh bet you do (laughs) well uh we had a write-in about loki uh tani from the discord and from our patreon wrote in uh just like you can if you go over to patreon.com slash culture bop oh i felt attacked i was like what (laughs) (laughs) um and he had actually a two-part question uh and he said so loki how are you standing on the whole self-cess romance part with sylphie and loki is it incest adjacent or is it the ultimate narcissist move uh and I kind of don't like I saw some of the the 
upset people about this, and I was like, I kind of don't understand what the fuck's going on. Like, yeah, what are you mad about? Sort of thing. Uh, yeah, the anger I don't get, but I'm gonna let Austin go ahead because I heard him start. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I so I kind of hated it at first. Like it, it just felt, it felt very weird. I was like, I don't, mm, that's weird. I don't like that. But then when I saw the fucking comment on the dock and it was like, or is it the ultimate narcissistic move? I kind of sat there for a second and I was like, huh. Yeah, it kind of is. So now I kind of, I, I don't know. I appreciate it a little more. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I, again, I don't understand what the anger is about, but um, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, the anger I don't get, it's like... Is it the ultimate narcissistic move? I hate that because it told such a goddamn good love story, yeah. but it's a good question. Because um, it's two people who could never trust each other, you know, on normal terms, but they ultimately could. And then even in the end, it was still a matter of betrayal. But um, I don't think it's, I do not personally think it's incest adjacent. Um, I, even I struggle to even see where that's coming from. Yeah. But, um, and I, I don't know if that's because I'm so used to the whole, you know, it needs to be a mom or a son or a dad and daughter, brother, sister, whatever. Like, I don't know where the me from another reality falls into that. Yeah. You don't really know <laughs> really where the line's don't. drawn. Right. But I don't feel like it's incest adjacent personally. Um, mm. Is it, uh, is it, that much of a question like are people truly thinking that it's walking that line because that hadn't really crossed my mind i think it's i think it's a genuine question of confusion of how i feel about it in general because you know how would i feel about me from another reality and me falling in love with them like i, I don't know yeah. i didn't even think that was possible until i watched this fucking franchise series yeah honestly uh never but really they I, yeah never thought into it what do you, I mean, what do you think? Is it, is it treading that line a little closely? I don't, I don't really, personally, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, like, like I said, to me, it was, it was a little weird at first, but after seeing that comment and kind of thinking about it a little more and I was like, mm, like from a storytelling perspective, I kind of, I, like, I appreciated that a little bit more, but no, I, I can see where it's coming from, but I don't think so. Yeah, uh, and me either. Uh, right? Are there actually people like bent out of shape about it? Yeah, I saw it, I really saw it several times on Twitter. Huh. So, so I looked up the definition, and it says sexual relations between people classed as being too closely related to marry each other. So, how does that work on a multi-dimensional level? <laughs> uh. uh I don't know. I feel like I can marry me from an alternate reality. Yeah, like I I feel like that's just a form of masturbation at that point, if anything. Whoa. I mean All right, now you're getting too fucking three D for me. No. Am I wrong? Not. All right. That's crazy. Is that considered masturbation? Okay. Honestly, that's, that's Sylvie hits my brain oh, more than anything. My God, is that masturbation? I kind of Wow. That's the best question I've ever been asked. Or just not? I don't even think you asked me a question. I mean, it's kind of like the like you know, in 
elementary school, middle school. But is that following on the same line? Like, if if that's not incest, could that be masturbation? Because we have to look at them as, oh, it's getting too much. <laughs> we're we're crossing. We're we're gonna open up a. I can a I rift can definitely the see the argument for masturbation much more than incest adjacent. This is amazing. Honestly, this is probably my most favorite topic that we have ever talked about <laughs> on this podcast. But it's like the age-old question, bro. Like, if it's you and a clone of you, is it masturbation? Is that an age-old question? Uh, yeah, sure, probably somewhere. You know, Josh questioned it, but I'm just sitting here staring off into space, like, yeah, like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know, because it's not you, but it is you, so. I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't really think it's an age-old question, but I just accepted it. Yeah, just I don't know. Just roll with it. Just accept it. But definitely the ultimate narcissistic move. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Nah, but is it? Self-love. Yeah, self-fellatio. Just working. Oh, wow. I don't okay. know about yep. all that, but... Uh, is that possible? That's my superpower. Oh! That's <laughs> self-fellatio? Cool I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, but so if Loki gives, uh, well, if Sylvie gives Loki a blowjob, is that oh, self-felicia? Okay. Well, we <laughs> talk. And what if, what about the alligator, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the fucking alligator. Uh, uh, All right, let's move character. on. Let's move on. Yeah. The best new super. Yo, I hope he makes a cameo in a future movie, dude. That would be wonderful. <laughs> he needs to come back in some way and extremely right. frequently. Oh, I need God. him to be like Howard the Duck and just be in be- in the back <laughs> fucking yeah. places. Damn it! Right. I fucked up. God, I went this whole time. Son oh, no, man. you said fuck a long time ago. Did, did I? I did. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Well, fuck me. Sorry, Justin. I'll try again next week. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, we played video games this week, I think. Sometimes. And that's the main topic. Well, I mean... Loki was the main topic. Yeah, that's what we'll say it was. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, well, where do I want to start? Uh, we'll say we'll save probably that last one till the end. Uh, I've been playing Spyro the Dragon. Reignited, guys. Ooh. I was hoping that would be... Wait, 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 wait. We're saving the one to the end, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant... Okay, okay. Go ahead. Spyro. Yeah, so Spyro. Uh, been playing it. Um, there's not much to say other than I really like this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I... So... I bought it when it came out, and I never really messed rest. I never really messed around with it uh, around launch because other stuff got in the way. I think it came out like uh, I think it came out the same year as what it was twenty eighteen, right? Or twenty was it twenty nineteen? If it was, gosh, I still can't get over the sound you just made. Yeah, <laughs> and you doubled down. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, I'm gonna God. Down. Um, Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Uh, came out in, I I want to say, 2018, um, which would put it um, in the Red Dead Redemption timeline. 
and I just <laughs> played that instead. Um, so, Ooh. yeah. Anyway, um, I never really got around to it, and so I'm like, I want to play this game. I never beat it or whatever. And I played it, right? Uh, well, okay, hang on. So, real quick, I have a real quick question. Is this one of those games... I beat it on the PS1, right? But I never played it on... Oh, no, this totally counts. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, then, in that case, this will be game number 10 for me, I think. Or 11. One of the two. Lord. So, yeah, boys. I'm going to actually make the challenge this year. (laughs) Um, But... Anyway, uh, so yeah, I I had never beaten it on the uh, on the PS or on the Reignited trilogy, so I was like, well, you know, there's not a whole lot going on right now. Uh, let me let me give this a shot, and um, I'll see how I feel about it. And uh, the game's real fucking pretty. Uh, I know that that's something that's not really um, I don't want to say hard to say because that's I mean. Obviously, that's not too hard to say, but yeah, uh, it really does a really nice job of um, like retaining character models, but like also freshening them up to the point that like they actually feel like they are different now, if that makes sense. Like the dragons that you free all feel like they have their own unique um, like story and shit to them whereas I feel like the original they all kind of like looked and felt the same and um I just really appreciated that like a lot and um I also feel like the levels were like I don't want to say they weren't manipulated. That's not the right word that I'm trying to say, but they definitely like felt better to play than um, like on the PS one. If I feel like I'm butchering this, but like, does any of what I'm saying make sense? Like it felt like it was like a, almost like a different game. Like the controls are so nice. There's some, like a, a lot of really good quality of life improvements to them. And like, there are little animations in this that like really feel like they give extra life to everything that's going on. Whereas the original, I felt like didn't have that sort of stuff. And I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe I'm just not remembering things, but, like, I feel like this is kind of the quote-unquote definitive version of this game. It is. It's much more polished, and it just... uh, It does a better job at giving you more to look at, and I don't know. My thing is, like, this is how I remember playing Spyro. Funny enough, like, you know, when I think about playing Spyro back on the PlayStation 1 and 2, it was, this is what the game looked like to me, right? But actually getting to see it brought to life now and seeing my favorite levels get... Uh, just completely it's 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 a ground up reworking essentially i mean this is very much the same game but brand new at the same time um 
and they do such a good job at it. And I, I think we talked about this last week. I don't know. I hate that I'll never get to see Spyro Four in this same fashion. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. You know, Toys for Bob takes a break from Call of Duty, whatever. I don't know. Um, but no, I I totally understand what you're saying because this is it's a very beautiful game. There's so much detail to it, and each level is very unique in its own design. Um, especially the first game. The first game, like that's the one I have the most. Uh, memories of just especially those early levels like I really really remember just going and you know uh, what is it toasty like that level seeing it brought back to new life um, how close are you to beating it oh I, I beat it I platinumed it oh it's so it's gone yeah platinum yeah I got the platinum trophy in it sorry oh for the whole, all three games no just the just the first one. Oh, okay I was like holy shit that's crazy, but no, um, that's good. So let me ask you, now that you've played it, when's the uh, no damage run coming? Yeah, okay, so this is something I did want to talk about specifically, right? Okay. This game is a lot harder than I remembered it being. Well, not not necessarily harder, but like, um, like there are things in this game that I was like, God damn, dude. I like, how the hell did he do this without taking damage? That sort of thing. I was like, am totally amazed that you had managed that. Um, well, <laughs> I'm glad it gave you new perspective because the shit sucked getting there. <laughs> dude, it, like it was di- like legitimately difficult to not take damage. Like, uh, th- I mean, obviously there are some things that, uh, like you, there were parts of the game that you didn't ever like, uh, I don't want to say. Yeah. Play through. I skipped some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you were doing a no damage run, but like, um, like there are parts of this that I was like, dude, how the fuck are you supposed <laughs> to do this without dying? Cause I remember specifically, there was this one trophy that you had to, get to these three, um, uh, fuck. Um, fuck. I'm trying to remember what, what exactly it was. You had to get to these three, um, like little ledges that had, uh, uh, they had, um, treasure chest on them but they weren't like regular treasure chests. they were like the the ones that like you um, oh you get extra life from i don't know that you necessarily got extra life from them but they like it the the trophy was that you had to get the um it's in the snowy world i don't remember it's like you have to fly a stupidly long way and then you land on this platform and it has three little purple chests on it yeah and you have to fight uh, like sh- like uh um, you have to uh, like shoot your fire at them so they explode. They were like little, yeah. little fire, fire cracker. Fire. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you had to do that, but like because of how close together they were, if you mistimed anything with your jump, like getting to between the three different platforms. You were like super fucked. Like, yeah. And I went from something like 21 lives down to four. Like, <laughs> no bullshit. 
Like Jesus, dude. <sighs> yeah, it's I, I'm glad that it gave you like new perspective on it. I'm curious to see how you think Spyro 2 goes <laughs> with the whole no damage thing. <laughs> dude, fuck that, man. Like oh, God. I was genuinely by the time I was finished with it, I was super fucking impressed that you managed to beat that game without taking damage. <clears throat> there was also some stupid ass shit that like I was like, man, come the fuck on. Like <laughs> I, I remember at one point I had um what 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 was it? Uh I forget what level it was, but there was a a thing that I did where I was right outside of a uh you know how the, the game has the um uh the little like teleporters to the different worlds or whatever. Yeah. Well I was right outside of um one of those and there was a, a wizard I guess on the other side and, it, yeah, and he fucking zapped you yeah through the yeah. fucking teleporter I was like yeah I lost a fucking run to that shit oh dude I was so mad <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I wasn't even God. trying to do like a no hit run I was just trying to play the game I was like what the <laughs> fuck dude? <got> fucking zapped <laughs> yeah so oh man yeah, I feel your pain. Well, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad you went back and played it. I really want to hear what you think about uh, Ripto's Rage. Just from a reworking standpoint, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, I I loved uh, Ripto's Rage back in the day. I think the first one was st- was my favorite, but um, I definitely have a lot of love for that second game. So, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But. Uh, Let's see. You've been playing a game called Raji. Raji. <clears throat> yeah. So Raji is on Game Pass, and I actually fired up the old Xbox One for this because, like I said last podcast, we uh, got a new uh, Samsung TV, very large. So I've just kind of been laying in bed and dabbling in some Game Pass games on there. Also, I'll just put it out into the world that I am looking for a PS5. I will buy it if someone has a. Uh, one they don't want Austin, so that's good. Um, but since I don't have one, I've been playing off just the One X. And Raji was a game that kind of captured me because of how beautiful it looked um, in the little the demo things that they were showing. So it's from uh, Nodding Heads Games, and it's actually pretty cool <clears throat> because this is one of the first Indian adventure games that I've played. Um, and it kind of follows the same style of Ellie, the game that I was talking about a couple weeks ago. In a sense that from what I've, I've not played a terrible amount yet, but it seems to be like kind of a top down slash side scrolling. I don't know the actual, uh, terminology for that style of gameplay, but it's a, an Indian action adventure game and it, um, it revolves around this girl Raji and she's an orphan circus uh, performer. But she has a brother, and he's like this really, uh, you know, gifted storyteller. And one day they're performing in this large crowd, but there's a group of demons that attack um, uh, from uh, Indian mythology, and or whatever it is. I don't even know if it's mythology. Um, but he gets abducted essentially, and you are um, playing as Raji, making your way through this really captivatingly beautiful world like i don't know how this game flew under the radar for so long for me because this is a style of game that i truly love and the colors like 
you know, coming from talking about Loki, how great they did with the color scheme in that show, this game kind of does that as well because it has a very beautiful palette that they use. And the combat in it so far is pretty fun. Um, it's not really Souls-like, but it it feels relatively difficult for what the game is, and that's fun because it gives me a little bit of a challenge. But... Um, Soon into the game, you start to meet these uh, different gods uh, from the like the Hindu mythology, and they essentially give Raji a weapon from them, from the gods. And her goal is to ultimately, you know, chase after these demons that kidnapped her brother and uh, free him. Um, so I've not made it too terribly far into the game, but it's super beautiful, man. I, if you have Game Pass, I recommend just giving it a shot because it tells a really cool story from the get-go like it's it's in a um uh, like a 2d really basic art style that it's showing you the cutscene in but it just captures like i guess indian storytelling in a sense and i don't see that enough in the world today but it's really fun and it feels great it's not sluggish at all um, the combat can be pretty versatile for what it is. It adds quite a bit of different mechanics in there, and I'm excited to keep playing it if I can stop playing another game, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. Which we will talk about later. All right. Well, in great detail. Or hopefully not too great. No, I'm telling you, it could have been its own podcast. Well, Six hours long. Oh God. <laughs> well then um all right austin you have been playing dragon ball z kakarot tell me about that well um i'm gonna go ahead and tell you uh it's not good <laughs> my thoughts on this are not good at all um so the only reason i picked this game up was uh josie approached me over the weekend and she just kind of came up to me out of nowhere in the middle of the day. And she says, hey, Dad, can we watch Dragon Ball? So I immediately stopped everything that I was doing and <laughs> Dragon Ball Z Kai. And I was like, you know, uh. <laughs> I could play a Dragon Ball game. I could go for a good DBZ game. And uh, I was going to buy Xenoverse 2, uh, which is a fantastic Dragon Ball game. Um, and... I saw that Kakarot was on sale. I saw the Ultimate Edition that's no normally like 100 bucks was on sale for 45 So I was like, eh, fuck it. I'll buy it. And, um, yeah, I, I regret that purchase very much. So uh, I think the game is really fucking charming. Uh, it, it does open up, and it has a – before it gets to the main menu, it recreates – the uh, uh, the original Japanese Dragon Ball Z opening, just with the game's uh, artwork and CG and CGI, and it it was really fucking cool, and I appreciated that. I was like, oh, like that's that's nostalgic. I'm I'm excited for this. Uh, going into the game, uh, every from what I can tell, every major arc of the game and every like individual mission of that arc is. Uh, like before you actually go into it, you get like a title, like a almost like a title card screen from like what they would do in the TV series. And all of the names of the missions and arcs are directly lifted from actual episode titles. And I thought that was really cool until I got to the actual gameplay. And wow, it's pretty fucking stale. 
Um, it, it's it's like a semi open world RPG, and pretty much everything you're going to be doing in the overworld is just some kind of fetch quest. And then when you actually do get into like an exciting mission, the combat feels very very much like Xenoverse one and two, but not as good and not as polished and refined. And I, it kind of blows my mind that they literally took a step fucking backwards. Um, the combat just feels kind of stiff and, and wonky and just not fun. Um, the flight mechanics in the overworld are just, they're, they're really fucking uncomfortable and just kind of weird and it just doesn't feel like it should. Um, and yeah, I just, as every, everything gameplay wise, I just think is very, very average compared to Xenoverse two, which is a much older game by like four years. So I, I don't really see how they made such a gigantic step backwards, but uh, by the end of it, I went to the PlayStation Store and just bought Xenoverse 2 and played that instead. I just didn't put it on here because I've played Xenoverse 2 a million fucking times. Damn, that says a lot. And that also kind of sucks because this game, I, I, it was on my wish list at one point in time on Steam. I took it off because every time it went on sale, I just never bought it. And I was like, I must not want this. Yeah. <laughs> But in the back of my head, I still kind of did just for the sole reason of now and then I kind of do have a hankering to play a Dragon Ball game. Um, growing up, the three Budokai games were some of my favorite games of all time. Three three being the ultimate favorite of mine. Um, but uh, Kakarot kind of was on my radar just to give it a shot. But it, it kind of bums me out that you said Xenoverse is the better. It is. Absolutely. Um, um. Uh, have you ever played either of the Xenoverse t- uh, games? That's my issue. Is I dabbled in the first one and I didn't really care for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I don't know if maybe the Kakarot's the one for me or maybe I would hate them both. That's my issue. Yeah, um, I I didn't. I liked Xenoverse one, but then Xenoverse two rolled around and I was like, I really fucking like Xenoverse two. I it's very good um and it is so much better than Kakarot and I I saw the comment on the doc and that is pretty fucking accurate okay well yeah we'll we'll get into that uh Tani had another question submitted to us uh he said is it fair to say that DPZ Kakarot is the best example of a PS2 era action RPG that's very Um, accurate and uh I'm not uh familiar enough with uh those types of games to be completely honest with you um the my forte was definitely the turn-based so Mm -hmm. um that was not something that i was particularly uh aware of but yeah yeah it's i also haven't played this game for the record if you find honestly, if this is one of those games that like, if you find it on sale for like ten bucks maybe, and you haven't played Xenoverse two, then sure, it might be worth it. You might enjoy it, but for me, the forty five that I paid, I was like, no, I inst- I within and honestly, within an hour and a half of playing Kakarot, I was like, I instantly regret dropping that forty five bucks. Well. Fair enough. Or maybe I'm just an asshole. Who knows? I don't know. I, I mean, yes. Not every game is for everybody. It is true. But everyone has an asshole. But everyone does have an asshole. It is also true. 
All right. Well, uh, the next game I want to talk about is Scarlet Nexus. So, All right, Josh, go ahead and fucking disappoint me. <laughs> All right. So uh, I had played the demo a couple, maybe about a month ago, uh, and I talked about it with uh, Dizzle when it was just... Don't. Okay. What? You don't like it when I say Dizzle my whistle? No. Ah! <laughs> um. Anyway, we had talked about the demo uh, when we recorded that episode. So, this is an action RPG from Bandai Namco, and uh, Dylan, I don't think this game is for you. <laughs> um, Not at all. I know that. We, is it because it's too woo woo wooey? Yeah, woo wooey. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there there is that, right? Uh, it is definitely very woo wooey. Um, I can't believe we're fucking saying that. <laughs> I think I just need to launch myself into the worst uwu anime out there and Don't just fucking <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Go watch Beast like, Stars on Netflix. That'll do. I it. will. Is it? What is that? I'm not. Nope. Go watch. Nope. All right. <laughs> B E A Stars. Go watch it. Watch one. B E A Stars. Yeah. B Stars. Watch one okay. episode and tell me what you think. I, it won't be very good. I can it tell won't you that. At all. <laughs> I think you'll make it five minutes in before you text me some kind of obscenity. I, I give it like two minutes. Fair. You know what it is too. Uh, yeah. I and I haven't watched it. I've only seen the trailer, but I was immediately like, "Nope." <laughs> uh. So why? N- no. Is no. it? Does it look like fucking Arthur? <laughs> From PBS, but like you know, on some furry shit. <laughs> You're actually pretty fucking close. This guy, but on like some furry shit. Oh lord! You're actually pretty close. That uh, is absolutely amazing. I'm sorry that this stemmed from Scarlet Nexus. Look, we didn't get distracted in the beginning of the podcast. We got to get distracted at the end of the podcast. Fair. It's only fair. Error in the middle. This is like the middle, but you know what Good I mean. Yeah. Hey, Josh, how was Scarlet Nexus? Oh, okay. We, we're back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Scarlet Nexus. Uh, here's okay. So here is the good stuff. Um, the combat for this game is fucking awesome. I really fucking like everything that the the gameplay. Well, not the gameplay. The combat is doing in here, right? So it has the, like, it has some really nice fluidity to it. And, like, so basically both of your characters, they have, actually, hang on. Let me back up because there are two characters that you can choose between, uh, Yuito and Kasane. Both characters are supposed to have unique stories that kind of intertwine. And I've experienced a little bit of that. Uh, I chose Kasane uh, because her backstory seemed more uh, compelling, but I've gotten through about, I'd say probably about four or five hours of this game, and the Yuito character and the Kasane character have have had diverging paths, at, like they'll meet and then their paths will go away and then they'll cross again, that sort of thing. So it's like this double helix sort of thing. Um, but... So not only are there the two main characters that you play with, but you have a whole bunch of companions that come along with you. And so each character that you play as, uh, 
they're like the two playable characters have their own sort of like combat style. And Kasane's is supposed to be sort of like ranged based. So you're supposed to kind of like, you know, you can hit and run or you can like stay back and, and whatever. And you have your weapons and then you have telepathic like abilities and you can combine them to make combos and shit like that. And it's really fun to fuck around with. And then later you get this brain link mechanic that keeps things really interesting. Like you could already apply combos that felt like nice and fluid or whatever. But then with the brain link ability, your companions all have their own unique abilities and you can actually use the brain link to utilize those companion abilities as your own. So you can be fighting just the whole like uh, slash slash telepath slash slash that sort of thing. And then you can completely get like someone else's unique shit and throw it in there. And that's like that makes things so fucking awesome. And like the enemy design here is really fucking cool, too. It's like this really weird organic matter meets like inorganic matter. Like it'll look like, like uh, a dinosaur that met a pot and, and a plant at the same time. So like, it'll be like a, like a, a I don't know, like a, a vase that grew like dinosaur legs. And then like, has like a, a tr- like a, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but like almost like a tree trunk face. <laughs> With like flowers over it and shit, it's really cool. Like I, I've never seen anything like this. Um, but like, even though their designs are unique, you can never necessarily garner what their weakness is right away. And that's something that I thought was really interesting and really helped me to kind of take the combat into different the ways that I wanted it. Um. Something that I was not expecting is that the story takes place via kind of like comic-esque visual novel storytelling pieces. Uh, I don't know why I wasn't expecting this, but it just was something that I wasn't expecting. And it's fine, but I kind of feel like it doesn't fit with the core gameplay. Like, I felt like there should be more... It should be more like cutscenes than the visual novel, and that that disconnect between your fast paced action oriented gameplay and these sort of like turning the page comic book style visuals really kind of hurt the experience for me. Um, the thing that I think really would turn Dylan off and would actually make this game right up your alley, mm-hmm. Austin is it is, very anime. Mm. I mean, like... I do enjoy very anime. <sighs> you know how a lot of anime just doesn't make any fucking sense? Yeah. Is this one of those? Yeah. It okay. just doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Yeah, I'll probably <laughs> buy it next week when I get paid. It's... I mean, it's got... I think it's got the trappings of, like, a really cool uh, sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. It... But... Go ahead. It, God damn it. What's the name of that fucking game on the Switch? It reminds me a lot of a game that came out on the Switch, and I can't remember what the fuck it is. Astral Chain. 
It reminds me a lot of Astral Chain. And if it's anything kind of like Astral Chain, I am super down for that. I would definitely say that it is very much closer to Astral Chain than it is Code Vein. Oh, Um, cool. Even though Code Vein has a very similar, like, art style. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... I'm not getting anything from it, man. Like, (laughs) like, I know that, like... Uh, this is something I said in the Discord the other day. Um, when I look at video games, it's kind of the same way I look at movies. Mm-hmm. I know that there are different things to it, but like what I am always going for, the thing that is immediately at the forefront of all my thoughts is storytelling. Is the story good? How is it told? All of this stuff, right? This, I just don't like. This I, I, it's like gobbledygook, man. Like yeah. it melts my brain trying to understand it. Um, overall, my impressions of it are pretty positive. I think I, I mean, it, it's fun as shit to play. It's really fun. I just don't know. Like, so the story is split up where you take. It has two campaigns that are both around twenty hours a piece. It's about a like forty hour game. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if I'm going to 100% it. I might just play one side of the story and and be done with it because the story is so unbearably anime. <laughs> uh, but time will tell because it is it is a fuck ton of fun to play. It is really, really fun. Um, so, yeah. That's Scarlet. I think... It's not completely deterred me. I if I can get my hands on a PS5, it might be a game that I get there if I see it ever go on sale. Um, it, but my thing is that it does look like a lot of fun. So I'm willing to look past it. If I could do it with Code Vein, I could do it with this. Um, yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, yeah. but I it just looks like so much fun, and the art style is something I can really get behind because I like colorful shit. So. I don't know, man. I'm not completely deterred yet. <laughs> I, I I still have some faith, but you know, first the whole get a PS5. Are there any anim? Are there any anime titties present? Uh, define what you mean by anime titties, because I just I are there any fan servicey shots? Uh, there have been. Why? <sighs> I just want to know. It's research, man. I think there have been a couple that I noticed, but why? All right, cool. Um, what? <laughs> I like the fan service shots, bro. He has to know. It's nice. It's a nice add-on. It's a nice little bonus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where that's where I'm at with it. Anyway. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, Scarlet Nexus. All right. Well, is it me or? Uh, him uh let's go with uh you you've been playing neon abyss i have and i like it more than hades <sighs> yep i'm sorry you're allowed to be wrong i know it it's just better Uh, no, that's they are while they are very similar, they're also completely different. So, Neon Abyss is a uh, it's a roguelite, it's an action platformer as well, and it really 
really i mean it's the it's the it's the theme of the show it's fucking colorful dude right it's so colorful um and i love stuff like that and it is punishingly oh by the way tonight's message aside from one game is sponsored by game pass everything i'm talking about is on game pass <laughs> um, so <laughs> So again, yeah, dabbling with it, but um, the difficulty is so crazy, man. Uh, I jumped right into it, <laughs> and eventually I did die. That's kind of the whole premise, just like Hades, is that death is the only way out. So that's fine. I died quite quickly. Um, and upon doing so, there was a message at the bottom that said, you know, choose difficulty level that suits your play style. I was like, whatever, I'm going to keep playing on normal. So that was a mistake because <laughs> I made it quite far. And then when I made it quite far, the bosses just shredded me. I have I had no time to learn the mechanics almost. Got a good sense of it. It's very Metroidvania-like. It's it's that kind of game. Um, you, you can really start to pick up on these boss mechanics and stuff. That's the whole point of this game is that you're taking on bosses and inevitably progressing on, like, I think you have to do, like, four bosses and then you move on to a big boss and that's kind of the the flow of the game um <clears throat> and after you beat each of the the smaller bosses you move on to phase one two three four and then i think five and if you die you start back over at one so playing at normal difficulty uh was not the move for me so i actually wound up dropping it down to easy which i never do but i needed to did you hear that? That I never do. Like I needed validation. I needed you guys to know that I don't play games <laughs> on easy. <laughs> um, but even still this easy mode, I fucking get wrecked, man. I made it much further um, than I did before. But the further you go in these levels, um, it just gets more, you know, punishingly difficult, but you are picking up more each time. Very similar to Hades. Um, and it's procedurally generated too, I believe. Like the runs that you take aren't necessarily going to be the same every time, which is pretty cool. Um, but I have not made it to one of the big bosses yet simply because it hands my ass to me every time. And I, it's the whole Dark Souls thing. I need to get good. That's what it really co comes down to. Um, but you can pick up different items and guns, weapons, stuff like that, whatever, along the way, and you can utilize them for that run and that run only. Um, and then when you die, you go back to this bar type of thing. And if you go down into the bar, like basement, you have a collection of everything you've uh, collected so far. And there's tons of stuff to collect in this game that you can uh, try and get different um, just, I, I guess, play styles. Uh, with you there's just a lot of different um outlets for you to choose from my only issue is that i kind of wish there was a part of the game that once you collected it and it went down into that hub you could utilize it whenever you wanted to but it's more like a museum you can just kind of see what you have used and stuff like that um and you can try the weapon inside of the little area too but once you leave you can't take it with you um but all of that aside on the boss fights are fantastic like the enemies leading up to them are kind of basic for the most part there are a good many to learn from um and learn the attacks on but those aren't so crazy but the bosses really shine because there's very different mechanics in each of them and 
like I said, on the higher difficulties, they were just wiping me out so quickly and I couldn't see the different phases because I could barely make it through phase one without getting absolutely annihilated. Um, so all of that culminates down to a game that's just really enticing and it draws you in even more with a fantastic soundtrack. I mean, I'm bumping. It's my kind of music. It's that just really... I don't, I don't know what, I don't even, it's like our, the intro that, well, no, the intro is not right. It's got like a synth cyberpunk type of feel to it. It's just fun. And I think everyone should try it, especially if you like Hades. Um, it's like I said, very similar, but vastly different at the same time, but it is better. Well, I mean, can't, uh, count, always account for taste, but, uh, I think you should try it just to see. I, I don't I don't think you're going to like it more than Hades. Absolutely not. Hades has a fantastic story. It's an overall well-rounded game. This is just more like a run and gun type of thing. So it, it comes nowhere near close to Hades in, in a really realistic sense. But it's fun like Hades is just like that nonstop action type of thing. Yeah. Well, very cool. Uh, it, it was, you know. When I was looking to try to get more game, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was trying to look to get more games played last year before our game of the year so I could talk about more. Um, and it was one that I had put on my list because uh, I had heard good things and stuff, but it was just one I never got around to. But it's on Game Pass, yeah. so I'm, I might I might give it a shot. You may. All right. Um, cool. <sighs> well, Austin. Yeah. Tell me about Near Automata. Um, well, for starters, uh, this game is fucking gorgeous. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, the, everything about it is just really impressive and really fucking stunning visual-wise. Um, basically, have, have either of you guys played it? Nope. It's on the list. Um, okay, so I think the story is really fucking interesting. Uh... I'm. Th- this is also the the game on my list that I have the least amount of time on. I think I've only done like maybe two missions, and I think that added up to like an hour and a half, two hours maybe, if that. Um, first of all, b- before I get into anything, I did realize this game is kind of unforgiving. Um, I got all the way to like the boss of the first mission, and it didn't let me save anywhere up to that. And I died in that boss and I had to completely restart. And that oh, kind of sucked shit. because it took me like, like the mission take took like 45 minutes. And I was like, well shit, now I got to start completely fucking over. That kind of sucks. Um, it, I mean, it might've given me a point to save somewhere, but it, it didn't tell me it like, it didn't tell me where it was. So I was like, Oh shit. You know, maybe I'll die and I'll just respawn right back before the boss. Nope, kicked all the way back to the main menu and have to start completely fucking over. Um, that was kind of irritating. Uh, save points are a lot more common after that, which is dope. Uh, but that was that kind of set me off a little bit. I was like, fuck, that kind of pisses me off more than it should. Um, but the story from from what I know so far is. Uh, pretty much like an alien race invaded earth and dropped a bunch of machines that started killing off humanity. So they built this squad of androids to help deal with that. And, um, I, I've heard that this story gets really fucking sad. 
I've heard it's pretty it's pretty fucking cutthroat by the end of it. Uh, I haven't really gotten to where anything is starting to fucking unravel. Uh, as far as gameplay goes, the combat is fairly standard for a typical action RPG. It doesn't really do anything too much to stand out. Uh, there's a a cool thing is like you got this little cute little robot thing that kind of just hovers over your shoulder and it can do things. It uh, uh, one bumper is it fires off a machine gun and the other bumper is it charges for like a condensed like laser beam. Uh, but this little pod thing always will aim at the dead center of the screen. And I'm like, mm, when you're kind of in combat, it does like your opponent, your enemy's not always going to be where the fucking, the only direction the, the pod is going to fire in. So it, it kind of feels useless sometimes. Um, the only time I really found it useful is when I'm like running up to an enemy, I can kind of fire until I get there. But other than that, if I wanted to use a ranged weapon, I kind of had to back off and then aim with that. But even that was kind of pointless because it does a significantly less amount of damage than any of your combos do. Uh, but other than that, it is the combat is just super fairly basic for uh, for an action RPG. But I am really excited to keep playing and see see where the story goes. I want to get to that cutthroat part because I like when games give me seasonal depression. Um, oh. oh, all right, that's great, man! Wow. But yeah, what the fuck? Oh yeah, okay, just walk right through like you did. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. going to. No, okay. Uh, and I do think the character designs are are fucking awesome. I, every character is just so well designed. They look so good. I really want to play it, dude, but I keep playing other shit, and now that's fair. I'm addicted to another game. It looks so much fun though, and then it has this. I feel like that's just one of those games now that are kind of like a staple. Where if you yeah. say, you know, if you're asked, "Hey, you, you remember playing Near?" and then I'm like, "No, I haven't played it." They're like, "What? Really?" Yeah. Like I feel like I have to play. I've it heard a. Point. I've um, heard so much about it since it came out, and then I finally like I just right. came across it on the PlayStation Store the other day. I don't even think it was on sale, but I was like, you know what? Everybody keeps talking about this, so fuck it. Uh, that was actually the other day. I think Justin was talking about it in the Discord. And then while he was talking about it, it came up on the PlayStation Store, and I thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, that's a little sketchy. Um, I, I was also, like, me and Madison were talking about it, like, she was, like, watching it while I was playing, and uh, I remember in the Discord, Justin said something along the lines, I, uh, like, making a joke about there should be, like, an upskirt achievement where if you move the camera and you look, like, up her skirt, you get a little fucking uh, trophy. No, there, there is one. That's fucking hilarious to me. I don't know why I think that's so funny, but can you imagine the fucking weeb just playing that game? He's like, yeah, let me get a good look. And he slides under and he gets the fucking trophy noise like he never saw it coming. Like, <laughs> the image of that in my brain is just fucking hilarious. And I think if that's I'm great. If I'm not mistaken... And I don't know how to pronounce the game truly. I don't know if it's One Chanbara or Oni Chanbara, mm-hmm. but it was on the 360, and there was an achievement for doing that exact same thing. Yeah. I love when games do that. Fucking, um, I, I, it just labels you. <laughs> they're like, they're like you fucking degenerate. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie. I tried the upskirt thing, and I did it, and I didn't get a trophy. So I'm not sure what that's about. That's why I thought it was a joke because I did it, and I didn't get a trophy. Like, you know oh. what? Maybe it was a uh, something that they patched out, uh, but that was definitely a thing. Like straight up, that was a a, a thing. 
Yeah, that seems like something that would get patched out because people got too mad about it. Yeah. That sounds like something people on Twitter would do. Yeah. People on Twitter, man. Twitter's the worst. Oh, I've started using Twitter more recently, and I actually found out that the Twitter handle that I've had in the show description is actually wrong. Oh. Oh. I, yeah. I changed it. I actually didn't know that. I, I thought I've been OM Dizzy this whole time, and it was actually OM Dizzy TV. I looked it up. Someone else has OM Dizzy, weirdly enough, but it's actually their real name. They're like Omar Dizvel or something. It was weird. I was like, oh, okay, that actually makes kind of a lot of sense for that to be your name. I actually wasn't mad about it. Like, you can have it. <laughs> it's That's yours now. Really close. To, yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. I was like, I didn't right, even cool. know you had it. Like, yeah, if it was some kid and like me, like OM Dizzy 69 on YouTube, come, you know, find me. I would have been really heated about that, but. This is actually the dude's name, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. I love how you, you said some kid and just automatically assumed that their username had to have 69 in it. Oh, yeah. Always. It's either a 666 Always. or a 69. Yep, oh. or 420. Yep. Which, funny enough, all of that is my Wi-Fi password. I actually hope you're joking. No, no I'm not. It's not. 666-420-69? Yeah. Literally. Was it that exact password? Yeah. Uh, four twenty sixty nine six six six. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something easy. I don't have to think yep. too hard to remember it. I'm an idiot. If I made it anything else, I would forget, and it would piss me off. So I just made it something ridiculously stupid that I couldn't forget. Oh my god! Ours is Sabrina's team member number for Target. Our uh, <laughs> our our Wi-Fi network itself. When you pull it up on your phone, it's called Hentai Haven. That is Jesus Christ. That was my wife. That was not me. Surprisingly, Hentai my Haven. My neighbors, because I live in an apartment, I can see everyone else's. Here's his. Uh, his is a uh, Bill Nye, the Wi-Fi guy, or something like. That. <laughs> I forget what it is. It's fucking hilarious, though. Dude, I love when people make funny names for their fucking Wi-Fi accounts, and you just yeah. Like, uh, I think David, my buddy David, his neighbor oh. is like a trickster for kids or some goofy shit like that. And I'm like, you know what? I like that. I like when people do that. Yeah, it was. I pulled it up. It's Bill Y the Science Fi. That's pretty fucking cool. Oh my god! Yeah, it cracks me up. Anyway, video games. Yeah. Sorry. Kind of weaved out. Video games. Who's weaved? next? Okay. I, I, I mean, yeah. So I was waiting. No, I was just confused. What the fuck does is weaved out? I was con. I was like, what the fuck is that? Huh? What, what do you <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what? Move on. Move. On. You said you were weeped out. No, he he said he was weeped out. Yeah. Uh, How is that possible for you? Uh, you know what? Sometimes it is. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. How long does it last? <sighs> Typically about an hour. Uh. <laughs> Maybe less. It kind of depends if I see an anime that catches my eye. But yeah, typically an hour. Oh, oh my god! I'm the worst kind of person, dude. All right. Well, uh, I played Death's Door, fellas. Mm. So this is a sort of top-down isometric action adventure game, kind of like uh, think think Zelda. Uh, it's very very much inspired by. Classic Zelda with the dungeons yeah. and, and all that stuff. That's okay. pretty cool. So in this, you are a little crow. And basically, it is your job to... <clears throat> excuse me. To 
harvest souls to bring them into the afterlife, right? So, like, you're kind of like the Grim Reaper, so to speak. All right. So, the game starts out, uh, you're supposed to get this really big soul, and when you get there, you get knocked on the head, and it turns out that you actually are going to have to go and get three more giant souls, so then you can get this one particular soul to the afterlife. And... Uh, so this game is just so goddamn cute. Um, I, I forgot to mention this, but it's from a team called acid nerve, which is actually a two man team. Uh, and I bring that up because I always find it really incredible when you get games from like one or two people, like, you know, uh, super meat boy or stardew valley. Stardew Valley or Fez or Thomas was alone or Axiom Verge, you know, any of these like really fucking cool games that were all done by like one person. Right. Mm -hmm. And this was a little two man team. And, uh, it is so incredibly polished. Like I don't, I kind of don't know how they did it. Um, with just the two of them, I, I have to assume that they had other people like providing like art and, and music and shit like that. Uh, but even still like they're fuck man, this game is awesome. Like it doesn't have anything that you can really like point to as being like a really, really bad mark on it. Like everything is really good. The animations and art design are fucking beautiful each level kind of feels like i mean i haven't finished it so i can't say this definitively because i haven't you know gotten there but um i think it's about eight to ten hours from what i was reading and i'm about five or six so i'm close but each one of the different areas has its own unique kind of like style to it and they're like even though they're like unique styles in terms of like art, it all feels the same. Like it all f- has like the, this sort of like flat textured look to it that is really, really stunning. Like it, it really is just gorgeous and it's animated really beautifully. Like there are little things that just like, I think are so like they're nice little touches. Like when you roll, like I said, you're playing as the crow, right? But when you roll with the crow, little feathers fly out from the backside of you. And like, you can see that. Or when you're like shuffling around through like leaves in one of the forest areas, like the leaves will like kind of like disperse and like some will like even kind of like follow you out like a little trail. And it's just so like cute. It's so cute. I love it. Um, and even to that end, the music for each area is really distinct and kind of gives it its own like feel the, the music in general is really fucking beautiful and totally paints a picture of, of what it is that you're doing at any given time. And it even has like really nice cues where like, it'll tell you that things are coming before they actually come like visually. And that's really nice to hear because like a lot of games, like they'll have stuff like that, but it's like mixed so poorly that it just, it doesn't work. And, and here it does. Uh, 
And so far, the story has been really charming. Like there, are re- there's some really nice writing in here. Uh, I have met three, I think, distinctly different. Like uh, I don't want to call them companions, but like different characters that are said to set aside and they've all been very like nicely written and uniquely like personable. And I've just loved the little bit of time that I've spent with each of them. And everything about this game is just fucking good, man. I, I really am having a blast with it. Uh, the, the combat is surprising. Like it's simple, but it's, it's kind of deceptively engaging. Like I, I, whenever I'm in a fight, I'm always like, okay, I I need to be doing this or I can switch to this weapon and I can do this and you know, whatever. It's really, it's simple. It's only like a handful of buttons. I think it's like three max, but it feels compelling and that's something that a lot of games again get wrong especially when when it's a small team like this uh this game is just it's real good i picked this up on a whim uh because i saw it i think during the devolver showcase at e3 um and then i i watched the trailer again when i saw it pop up on the xbox store and i was like i'm gonna give this a shot and i am really glad that i did uh, I think it's only twenty bucks. It is well worth your time. It looks really good. Yeah, it's cute, and this is the kind of game that I've been really heavily investing myself into recently. So it's probably going on the list too. Um, sure. Probably going to put it on just the wish list, but it's something that I'm not going to let just go under my radar now because, like I said, this is all I've been doing most of my time this year is playing games in this fashion. So I'm excited. This is something brand new to me. Mm-hmm. And it came out this year. Yep. And it oh. came out this year. Uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally what a week ago, two weeks, a ago? week ago. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we're looking at, are we back to Austin now? Yeah. We're at Austin. We're at oh, Austin. Okay. Uh, Persona 5 Real, you're chasing that platinum? Yeah, that's it. I'm just okay. going after the platinum. I uh, I started a New Game Plus playthrough. I'm halfway through said New Game Plus playthrough. Uh, and then realized I already fucked up real bad. And to get the platinum, it's probably going to take me, at, from what I can tell from the trophies, it's going to take me at least two more playthroughs. That kind of fucking sucks, but whatever. I'm here for it. So, that's it. I'm going to try to platinum it. I fell in love with that fucking game, and I have yet to... Uh, there's numerous games on Xbox that I've, I've fucking gotten all the achievements for. I have yet to get a single platinum on PlayStation and kind of want it to be my first one, so I'm doing it. Do it, man. Platinum chasing is fun. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Yeah, it sounded fun until the... You know, two more playthroughs kind of came in, and then it sounded not so good. <laughs> oh, God. Well, fucking... So, Royal made a really fucking stupid decision uh, from the vanilla game, and I don't understand why they did it. Uh, there's a character that you can form a bond with. He's kind of like a politician. And in the base, uh, Persona 5, 
you can, after I think May 4th, you can form a relationship with him at any time, whenever, literally for the rest of the fucking game. Uh, but in Royal, you can form a relationship with him on May 4th and only May 4th. That's it. You have no other option the entire rest of the fucking game. So I've already missed the all max all fucking confidant trophy. So that sucks, but whatever. Well, uh, do you want to talk to us instead about Shin Megami Tensei Three Nocturne? Because you've yeah. also been playing that. Yeah, I've that. This is the game on the list I've been playing the most of. Um, I am starting to think that I'm probably just gonna buy anything Atlas puts out because everything I've played from Atlas, I've fucking loved. Uh, I still need to go back and finish Catherine, and I will do that eventually. I love Catherine. That it's is so a good. fucking great game. I put it on pause because it made me think too much. I'll get it back to it, though. We'll definitely do that. <laughs> it will. Uh, yeah, never mind. What? That was completely... Never nothing. Oh, I was about to go off. No, it's not even good. I'll talk about it at the end of the show. Okay. It's it's like my pick of the week. Like, it's so off topic, it would have been awful. Oh, okay. We're just going to continue. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, let me pull up the notes that I wrote down for this. Um... So the game kind of start the the story and setting is really fucking dark and and bleak and hopeless and I'm really digging that because most JRPGs literally just usually end up with you killing some variation of god and saving the world but here in Shin Megami Tensei 3 there's no world to save the world is already ended like your character physically watched the apocalypse literally happen in front of him everyone else in the world is already fucking dead um, and I kind of like that. It's different. I haven't played too many JRPGs that kind of go that route. And it's, I think it's really fucking interesting. Um, pretty much the premise of the, like the opening 10 minutes that really set the story in is, uh, your, uh, player character gets asked to come to a hospital by his teacher and some of his friends. Uh, you get there and you find that the hospital is completely abandoned. Uh, there is no staff, no patients, literally nobody. Um, so you start kind of wandering around the hospital looking for your teacher and you get to the basement and you start opening all these rooms and in every single one of these rooms is just pentagrams and blood and human guts literally just thrown across the fucking room. And at that point, your character's kind of like, hmm, okay, I'm not safe here, but I'm going to keep fucking looking anyway. And you get to the end of a hallway and open a door, and there's this really creepy fucking dude just sitting there, uh, pretty much saying that you sealed your fate by walking into this hospital. And then your teacher shows up and basically begs this man to spare your life, uh, seeming to imply that they have some kind of relationship. I haven't gotten there yet. That's probably much later in the fucking game. Um, but your teacher takes you up to the roof and literally holds you there and pretty much makes you watch the apocalypse fucking happen. Um, basically, Tokyo is lifted up and put into this kind of like spherical world where everything else outside of Tokyo is pretty much annihilated and everybody's dead. But everybody in Tokyo is also dead. Um, and then she kind of makes you eat this like parasitic demon that also turns you into a demon it's a very anime plot but it's really fucking interesting and the game is pretty much your character 
wandering around this weird spherical Tokyo trying to figure out, like, what caused this and who caused this and why he is the way he is and just trying to figure out all these fucking questions at once. And I am really fucking stoked to finish this game. Um, I don't really care for the overworld all that much because when you, whenever you exit a dungeon, you kind of, you're just this little blue arrow that like moves around the overworld. And I get for a PS2 to make this game the way they made it. They, they, they might've had to do that. That might've been a technical limitation or that might just be an SMT thing. I don't know. I've never played an, another SMT game before this. Um, but it just, it, it kind of throws me off. I guess it kind of helps with the whole disaster setting, but other than that, it kind of just throws me off a little bit. Um, however, all of the dungeons are really fucking cool, even though they're confusing as shit. And there's one dungeon in specific I had to look up a fucking guide for because I spent 45 minutes going around in a den and trying to figure it the fuck out. And it finally just pissed me off that I looked up a walkthrough for it. Um, but there's, there's one area in particular uh, that's called the Amala Network, and it's basically like a uh, like an underground pathway that kind of teleports you from different areas to kind of help get around a little better. And I think that this whole section is really fucking cool designed. It has this kind of uh, golden red-like aesthetic. When you look down on the floor, there, it's supposed to be, I'm assuming, what are like human souls like moving through the network. Um, and then like when you just look straight down the hallway, no matter what way you look, the, the map always looks like slanted down. Like it looks like everything's curving down, even though it's just a straight hallway. And I think for a PS2 era game that that was done really fucking well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty deep into it. I'm probably, I think I'm about halfway through it and I really fucking like where it's going so far, and this is one of the few games I've played in a minute where I really can't wait to put the time in and finish it. Uh, also, Dante from Devil May Cry is a boss, and I think that that's just cool and makes sense, and I'm here for that. But yeah, that's it. Well, very nice, very nice. Um, <clears throat> I need to give these games a try. Hmm. I have played Persona since, well, not since. That's not ac entirely accurate because uh, I played these games well after they came out. Um, but um, I've been playing since three, uh, and I really like them, like mm. all of them, and I am really... Uh, interested to uh, <sighs> to play more, but um, the the Shin Megami ones have just always been a uh, um, a blind spot for me. I've never really uh, yeah they they have uh, from what I can tell they they have uh, some kind of stigma behind them not being very accessible. Um, like apparently a lot of people thought that the original release of SMT three was just incredibly fucking hard. Um, I've seen thumbnails on YouTube and I've heard people in conversation call it the dark souls of JRPGs. And I don't see that. Don't think this game is all that fucking difficult. Um, unless they dumbed down the port, but I don't think they did because in the port, 
they made sure that it was a selling point that they added a uh, merciful uh, easy mode. So I don't think they dumbed down the normal mode much, and it's not anything incredibly fucking difficult. Hmm. Interesting. But who knows? This uh, this game did get me really fucking hyped for SMT5, though. I already thought that game looked really fucking good, and I was going to check it out anyway. And then when I started diving into this, I was like, man, now I actually really can't wait for that game. Well, cool. Very nice. Um... I might have to give this a shot. You're playing this on the Switch, I assume? Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, then. Uh, Dylan, why don't you talk to me about my game of the year 2019, uh, a little game called Control. <clears throat> so this is the one that I've played the least. Um, it was your game of the year when? Of 2019. Oh. Um so I mean so far so good I like where it's going it's a little I don't know confusing to me to start I don't really follow the story so much right now but I've only played like an hour and a half of it Um, but I really like what it's doing it's a little creepy it's a lot creepier than I thought it was going to be I didn't know it was actually until you told me that it was connected to the Alan Wake universe I actually had no idea um, what I was getting myself into, but I really like the spookiness of it, and I'm trying to follow along with it. But like I said, like they kind of just threw me into the story. Like I don't know like what's in her head or who's in her head. By the end of it, I, I I'm assuming I will. But um, it's really fun so far. I like the the combat mechanics and the gunplay, even though it's really basic. I, I still have a lot of fun with it, and I've had my ass handed to me on that game as well. Um, pretty quickly, actually. Um, but I like the the leveling up aspects that I can like increase the powers that I want to increase. So far, I only have the one that I can like grab and throw things. But even that being added into it uh, really made the game open up to me um, a little more in terms of the the combat overall. But um, the hiss as an enemy overall is kind of weird because it's like there's just a lot of questions, right? Like it's very early game for me. So I don't really necessarily follow everything that's going on, but it's pretty fun. It's the one, like I said, I think I have the least amount of time with, um, but I look forward to getting further with it right now. It's just, it's not really hooked me in. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, I love this game. I think that it is, (sighs) Masterpiece is a strong word, but I mean it's fucking close if it isn't. I I really really fucking like this game a lot. Um, I need to go back and platinum it if I can on PlayStation since they gave it away for free. But uh, yeah, it is. It's one of those games that like it's weird enough, like in its story and shit like that. That like. I feel like it is like you I don't want to say it's unique enough to where it like can kind of bypass its thing like it's storytelling devices and shit like because that's not really what I'm trying to say but like it has such a weird and like offbeat tone and I I just love everything about this game um but yeah 
But what do I know? I'm just a guy. Oh, God. That was unexpected. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, all right. Time for my last game before we get to the one that you guys want to talk about. Um, I've been playing Ender Lily uh, and The Quietest of Nights. And God damn, this game is good. real good. Real, real good. Um, so this is another one that I saw the trailer for. I don't remember where, but I saw it and I was like, God damn, this, this looks real cool. Uh, but it's a Metroidvania action platformer from AdGlobe and Livewire. And I tried to look into them because I had never heard of them before. But it looks like Livewire is the actual studio. And they were founded under AdGlobe, who is some sort of like Japanese conglomerate sort of thing. Uh, but it is uh, a 2D side-scroller uh, that's uh, it's very Metroidvania. Like if you've ever played a Metroidvania before, you've probably played... Ender Lilies, but I want to put a pin in that because I think that even though if you, okay, so hang on real quick, quick aside, the thing about Metroidvania is, is if you've played one, you've played them all like just straight up. That's, that's how they work. They are very, I I don't want to say formulaic, but like they very much have a formula that they pretty much rigidly stick to, right? The good ones break out of that formula with their style and their storytelling and stuff like that. Um, And I think that this, I mean, starting with like the most basic of things, one of the things that this does that other Metroidvanias don't do is its map isn't the typical Metroidvania map where it's like you see every little nook and cranny of where you've gone. It works more like an Odin Sphere map where it's like these nodes and you go into a specific level and you can see where that level is, has like entrances and exits to because they're marked off with like these little red dots, but you don't know what is actually going on within that level. You have to learn the, well, I, that's, I don't want to say each level, but like that, the little part that you're in, right? Like the little, so there's like, the first little area is like you're inside of like a church. You start in the cellar and then you got to work your way out or whatever until you're outside. And then when you're outside, you're in like this little, uh, I, I guess like village that turns into a road and then the road splits off and you can go into like the sort of like witch's grotto, which has got like a bunch of water stuff, or you can go into the city. So those would be like what I would call like the levels. Right. But like, within each level are like different like map tiles so to speak and by having the map set up some like something closer to like muramasa rebirth or odin sphere it makes you have to learn that level as opposed to having a map dictate what's going on does that make sense mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that as yes <laughs> <laughs> um but this is I was waiting on Austin to answer, but then he never did. But then I wanted to answer, but by the time I tried to, you just said that. So I just went with it. It's all good. I'm sorry. Uh but so the the art direction in this game is just fucking stellar. Like so it looks like it's kind of like 
hand drawn, but also like painted at the same time. Like it's just got these beautiful fucking visuals that are, they, they are kind of ripped like from vanilla wear almost like, I, I mean, it, it feels very much like they took it, like super mad inspiration from like, like I said, Odin sphere and, and, um, like Muramasa rebirth and, and shit mm-hmm. like that. But like the character models for each individual character, well, and, and not necessarily characters, but like spirits and enemies and stuff like that is just, dude, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's gorgeous. And then each one of the levels, like they're really well designed, but like the levels, they have this sort of like painterly quality to them that like, you can just look in the backgrounds for like hours and be like, God, this is beautiful. Like this is stunning to look at sort of thing. And not only that, but like the animation is really awesome. Like even if you're just standing still, like you see like little like bouncing in the hair or like the dress that you're playing or or not playing, wearing. But when you're in like battle, like each of the spirits that you use for battle, because, okay, this is something I guess I kind of left out. Uh, the the story of this game is basically that you're this white priestess and that there was this like rain that came along and started turning people into like soulless monsters sort of thing. Um, it's very weird and out there, like from a storytelling perspective, from like the lore and shit, Dylan, you'd fucking love this game. Um, so it's funny that you say this because this has been on my wish list since it came out. Really? Yes, okay. this is a game that I have followed for a hot minute, and the only reason I haven't bought it is because I've played so much other shit since uh, this initially came out. Um, but I had my own thoughts about it. It just looks beautiful. Everything that you've said, I echo, because that's what draws me into it um, as it is. But I, go ahead and finish, because you're, everything that you're saying is just validating what I already thought about <laughs> the game just from outside yeah uh perspective but yeah okay yeah well so to tie that back in with the animation um so like each little like move that you do with the uh with like the spirits that uh you do in combat is animated just stunningly like i i keep using that word but like it really is uh, like a you're stunned looking at this shit like it is just so fucking pretty to look at and and like i said that that tends all the way down to the animations like the animations are just they're fucking pretty they're nice to look at i don't i don't know how else to describe it uh but so not only is it a very like like well like well put together art design the music is so fucking good dude like this and uh uh death's door have uh, even scarlet nexus to an extent have these songs dude that just like they fucking like work their way into your brain and they just get stuck there and they're sitting there and they're like oh this is awesome i love this and like the thing about this one that makes it really good is that like each location has its own themes and like each of the themes is built around like these really nice little melodies and they're like 
they're catchy. They're really catchy, but they also kind of paint a picture of where you're at. Like, for example, the the Witch's Grotto, I, I, I think it's called something different, but that's what I'm going to call it. Uh, it has like this sort of carnival-esque, like, music that just kind of like winds around and it, it makes you feel like yeah like this is this is a witch like it's it's kind of cartoony but like it makes you think that this is the witch's lair and this is where i'm going or whatever and then the beginning section where you're in a in the church is just very like it has like some kind of synthy like like uh like airy sort of like atmospherics but then like this like really sparse piano like is what you really pay attention to and it's really really nice man like a lot of this stuff is very synth and and piano led and i am all fucking here for it dude uh the combat on this feels awesome too like so you essentially have like i said the the spirits since your character is so weak they're there to kind of do the fighting for you and you have basically two loadouts with three slots apiece, and you can equip the different spirits into those two loadouts and kind of switch them at will or will not wheel. I don't know what the fuck I was saying. Um, and that kind of like provides different abilities and each different ability all have a different feel and like weight to them. And they all are just really different nice like (laughs) i keep using that word but like they feel really awesome each in every single one of them to use and to utilize and it really makes the combat really interesting and allows for you to tackle situations in different ways that you you might not do if you were playing something like say like a like a metroid where it's just your buster right um the one thing that I will say that I think will turn some people off is this game is kind of difficult. Uh, some of the bosses have kicked my ass, dude. But it's not like every everybody calls it like a uh, or everyone says fucking Dark Souls or whatever now. And not every game is like Dark Souls. Like just just stop it. Uh, and even if you want to do that, like Dark Souls learned its shit from the old school design of like arcade games and fucking like Mega Man and Castlevania and, and even fucking Mario. Like the difficulty in those games it really is what inspired the difficulty level in Dark Souls. So shut your fucking mouth. Um, this feels a lot like it is Souls-esque in that you have to learn like the attack patterns and stuff like that. But like it's much more of a it's i i feel like it's much more in the vein of like a like a uh, like a castlevania or something along that line and it's not the thing that i really am enjoying is like even though it's hard it's a lot more forgiving than those games where like like dark souls for instance like if you die you have to go back and pick up your equipment stuff like that with this you don't like it, your progression stays with you if you die. So I can just go back into a boss fight, uh, you know, presuming that I have somewhere close that I have saved it and I can go back in and I can try again. And like, so it is a lot more forgiving than, than 
uh, a lot of people would probably have you believe, but uh, it is, it's, this game is, I, I, I don't want to call it my game of the year, but it has quickly risen through the ranks within, within a week to probably top three or four experiences that I've had this year. I am really smitten with this game. Yeah, no, I saw it uh, when it came out. I was actually browsing games on the Switch is where I initially saw it. <clears throat> and it just looked spectacular and very unique for what it was. Um, I love the art style, and that's what initially drew me in. Um, but then as I started watching more about the combat and overall world design and what, you know, seemingly the story that I could see from it, God, dude, it looks great. Yeah, it is. This game is really something special. Like, it really is. Um, I highly recommend it. Like, really, really, really highly recommend it. Um, so, that all said, uh, I guess I'm trying to scroll through this. Um, yep, we're down to the last game, Pokemon Unite. Yep. How do you feel about it, Josh? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I've only played about three or four matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that said, I think that tells you exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> okay. I He hates it. I don't hate this game. I, I really don't. I just kind of think i don't understand yeah like everybody is explaining like oh it's so good it's so good it's so good I'm like yeah this is fun i don't i i don't know man like it maybe it's maybe it's just a game that's not for me but like i will say this i will totally say this this is the kind of weird shit that I wish Pokemon would do more often. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this is what they should do in the base games, but like this is way cooler than any of the base games that I've played in a very long time. Yeah. And, uh, so the one thing that I think has, has kept me out of it more than anything is that it's, it, not necessarily as Pokemon is that it's a MOBA. Yeah. I I kind of have never really liked this style of game ever. And this is a lot more uh, user-friendly than a lot of MOBAs are, but it's still one of those things that I just kind of don't fucking get why people play this shit. Like, I don't find these games fun at all. They yeah. really frustrate me. Like, really 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 fucking frustrate me um this one is very accessible uh and and to that end i i'm glad that it's there because it will 100 percent be able to get young kids into games like dota or league or um uh yeah yeah any of the other ones right Um, I think that it has some real value to it outside of that though. Like I really do think that it looks pretty. 
Like it, it's a very good looking Pokemon game. And I kind of like how each character or well, not character, each Pokemon does play differently for, from the other ones. Like I would, would have assumed that, the, you know, they were all kind of like the same. And I tested around with three or four different ones. And I was like, okay, yeah, like this is like, these all feel different. That's cool. Um, I don't know. It, like I said, it might just be that it's a game that's not for me. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> you guys fucking love it. Yeah. So, Austin, you or me? Yep. Uh, you go ahead. You love it more than I do, so go ahead. All right. So, I was a heavy League of Legends player for a very long time. I love it. Um, I don't really remember when I started playing League, but I know when I stopped, and that was around the time one of the uh, characters named Callista came out to give people kind of perspective on that. But I do love League, or I did at least. Just the community is rather toxic, unfortunately. Um, But I really love Pokemon. So the fact that I have two things combined into one that I love, and it's everything that I could have wanted it to be is just really intoxicating. Um, it's a much more simplified version of a MOBA. There's only two lanes on this with a rather large jungle that I don't think people quite yet understand why it's there, which is fine. You know, it's going to take people a long time to start to learn the mechanics and how to play a MOBA. And that's understandable. Um, what it does do I think it does super well because it's like Josh said it's very accessible to people so even in these early stages of the game where people are starting to adapt and I know a lot of people have played MOBAs before but you can quite clearly tell there is now a player base playing this game who have this is their first one um, Sabrina is an example of that so I think it yeah so I think it lets you learn how to play one relatively quickly. And what Josh said with there being a vast array of characters that you can choose from really helps because if you look into the characters themselves, you see, okay, now we have an attacker. Now we have an all rounder. Now we have a defender. Now we have a supporter. All of these are crucial roles that you really need on your team to produce the proper synergy for team fights later in the match. And I think this game does a great job at giving you those opportunities to choose <clears throat> from a wide array of uh, Pokemon that like that you have some kind of not necessarily connection to, but like you can get good with one and you can continue to play that and you can be an asset to your team. And a lot of times what I see is that people are actually choosing those roles to help the team. It says it right there on the screen and character select. If you need a defender, if you need a support, it's like, Hey, choose one of these to add better synergy. And people really listen to that. I think, which is, <clears throat> great because that's what's going to allow people to become better and hopefully the community never goes the way that the league community went in terms of toxicity but i've also seen people kind of be a little helpful in the pregame lobby with the chat messages that they can uh produce and stuff like that but anyway all of that comes back to uh, a vast array of characters that i feel like really are balanced in the game right now there are some that i feel like people are talking about that are overpowered like Gengar and Lucario. Um, and I would agree with that. I think they are very, very good, but I think nerfs are coming. Um, but couple that with very easy... T- yeah, 
but with you know coupling that with really easy to understand mechanics and this being a free game like this is great <clears throat> for the pokemon community because this is something that we've never had before like josh said again this is something brand new and it's on its own island and this is just how they do battles on that island so that's a really cool piece of lore to add to the pokemon uh you know uh, what is it called resume at this point um we we just have something new to add into there and um this has given me a great opportunity to play with friends more than ever on my switch because i really haven't had that opportunity yet um like i know there are games out there like smash and splatoon and all this other stuff that i can do but uh unite's got me connected with sabrina really quickly i've been playing with uh my friend erica a lot Austin, I feel like it's only a matter of time before you and I jump in together, Probably. but even people in the Discord are talking about it too. So this has been a great opportunity for me to be able to connect with friends and, you know, acquaintances on the Switch because that's not something I've gotten to experience and it's a lot of fun. Um playing last night with an actual person who has played MOBAs before was really game-changing for me because I would choose like what's a traditional um adc role attack damage carry role and then she would choose a support and being able to be on the bottom and like making those plays knowing that i had a healer right behind me that was crazy like that's a piece of the teamwork that i think we're going to start to see really advance over time like team fights are big in this game like there are certain times you know depending on how fed or strong you get like you can do some solo battles but what i've seen more than ever is that these team battles are critical um and they start pretty early sometimes because i feel like newer players don't necessarily know to like get their build going long enough like when i say build i mean you know get all the moves you need make sure your final evolution stuff like that or whatever you need to do but um team fights are starting relatively early and for right now it's a lot of fun to take part in i think the game will begin to evolve over time and like this is going to continue to find viewership on twitch and stuff like that so when these professional players come in and start to really show people how to play i think everyone's going to take a step back and be like oh so this is what you do but for right now it's it's a lot of fun just to jump into and just have mindless um mindless fun with your friends on um the the one thing that i will say is that it's very much pay to win you know, this is almost a very interesting topic to talk about because last podcast I said microtrans microtransactions aren't that bad, but this game is riddled with them and they're pretty bad. Um, it does do some things well, like Battle Pass, I think is always a good implementation to any free game because it gives you access to unlock content that would otherwise not be there. Um, stuff to let you purchase things in the game. I think things like that are fine. But what I don't think is fine is to literally be able to purchase items that will give you a stronger winning percent chance. Like that's really predatory. That is not something that I'm okay with um, because then it's not about skill anymore. It's who has the bigger wallet. Um, I've not purchased anything in the game yet. I don't believe I will, uh, will because simply you can earn credits pretty quickly from what I've seen. Um, and maybe that's just because there's a lot of challenges to start off because we're all new players, but so far, <clears throat> I don't really see a reason to spend money, but I can tell where it's going to come into play, and it's going to be those items that give you stat advantages that are just 
crazy, like increasing your attack percentage and your crit ratio and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be rough to see where the game goes if they continue to allow that. But I don't know, man. Everything outside of that has gotten me hooked. It feels like the old excitement I had from League of Legends. I can't wait to see what they add. They just added a new Pokemon today. And I think Blastoise is on the way. Yeah, he is. So <clears throat> you're right. So it's they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of potential for what they can do, especially if they listen to their fan base. But my God, dude, it's hooked me in. Like I was getting on a great start for completing games for the year, but then this happened and I've not been able to fucking put it down. It's rough, man. I don't know if I'll be able to put it down anytime soon or not. But last podcast, I was like, yeah, I'll be able to complete two more games by next week. And that would have been true had Pokemon Unite not have happened. And now I, man, it's all I think about, dude. And I, here's the shitty thing. It's not even shitty. It's actually great. But you'll understand what I mean. In two days, Friday, that is my last day of work for over seven days. I have a vacation coming up and I have nothing to do outside of play Pokemon Unite. Oh, Lord. Right. He's so just think about that rank in that week. I'm hitting that. Yeah. And I, I did play a ranked game like that's pretty cool that they have the different modes and stuff ranked the normal modes. And then they have like the ARAM of sorts, like a much more streamlined version. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a four V four. So it's really cool to see what they could do with that. Um, going forward, different game modes and stuff, but God, dude, this is, this is the worst case scenario for me. Like I didn't need a reason to be addicted to a multiplayer game right now. Okay. Yeah, no, I I feel that. Um, first of all, your your hope that the, this game's community won't be as toxic is incredibly fucking optimistic. Uh, this is Pokemon we're talking about. It's bound to be fucking toxic at some point. Um, but I do really fucking enjoy this game. And I have not spent anywhere near the amount of time as you probably have. Um, but this is definitely something cool that's going to hold me over until uh, the mainline gains come out later this year. I don't have too much to say about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's... Oh, uh, okay. I, okay. Uh, I, I do have one thing. Um, I am going to backtrack on a statement I made on last week's episode. Um, after putting a little bit more time in, I do not necessarily think that this game is pay to win. Uh I it's definitely paid to skip grind, but it's not something that's like even the grind is not something that's completely fucking unrealistic to make you feel like you have to pay to get these items like the Rocky helmet and the scope lens and and shit like that, because you absolutely don't have to fucking do that at all. Um, And that's true. But what sucks is like those items don't do shit. They, until you start to level them but up. But honestly, even at their max rank, they really don't do that much more than what they were already doing. They do a oh, little bit, God, dude, but like, not a whole lot. I started leveling up the muscle band and the scope lens, and it makes a pretty vast difference, man. I can't imagine what it's going to be like at level 20. Yeah, I... Um, Mine's only level 5. God. I, I don't think I've upgraded any of mine at all yet. Um... It's a scary difference. Like you are a hard hitter the higher those items go. And like the crit chance going up, I'm about it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Maybe I read the wrong thing then. What I was reading, uh, because I haven't leveled up any of my gear, so I can't speak from personal experience. 
Um, but from what I was reading today, made it kind of seem like they don't make that much of a like the upgrade don't make the item that much better. So maybe I'm wrong. It, I mean, it seemed to help pretty substantially for me. Um, but I'm curious to see how big of a difference that makes at level 20. I can tell you right now that if I had my two items level 20, I mean, it would be no comparison. I bought Garchomp and that's who I've been using. Yeah. Um, I, I saved up the in-game currency and bought him and he is a fucking monster, yeah, dude. Yes, he he's obnoxious. Like, yes, his rough skin ability is so great inside of that game. But his ult is just so powerful. So that's what I'm saying. Like those added items on top of it, that's kind of crazy, man. Like I think they do much more than whatever art that article is stating it does. Well, I was deceived. God damn it. Um, so I'm ass- I'm assuming Garchomp is is your go-to. Yeah, um, I really love Lucario. I love Gengar. Um, I do. I, the fact that I got that Talonflame skin, like one of the rarer drops, I w- I was couldn't believe it so i started using uh talon flame a little more i like that one but garchomp is my number one most played yeah it's okay. just it's a lot of fun i've gotten the the move set down um sabrina's been playing a lot of pikachu and nine tails and then erica was playing eldegoss and uh talon flame a lot she was really good with talon flame um but she kind of filled the role so it was it was nice being able to like watch all of these other pokemon being played so i could at least see how yeah um other people play them so that was pretty cool too who are you rocking um mostly cinderace i fucking love cinderace, cinderace? Oh, okay i think cinderace is uh, honestly i i tried out zero aura i've seen a lot of people say that zero uh zero is pretty busted um i didn't have that experience uh i played a zero aura and ate complete fucking shit which is and that was the only match that I've played in that I've lost so far was when I played as Zero War. Yeah. Uh, but Cinderace, Cinderace fucking rocks it. Um, I know it's not going to happen, but if by whatever twist of fate they add Typhlosion into this game, I will spend whatever amount of real money necessary to acquire. Dude, I bet it's coming. Like they have so many good opportunities, and this is just the start. And we've already got two Pokemon on the way within what week one of release. Yeah, and uh, so that. Uh, mm, this might some people might not want to hear a leak like this. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Pokemon Unite was data mined. Uh, that is on Reddit. If and probably everywhere else. If you really want to fucking dig hard enough for it. Um, but one key thing from the data mine is that uh, Blissey is in the game's data, and she seems to be the third option, the third character Pokemon that they're gonna add. I mean. I don't. I, I want to say that's unfortunate, but it's only unfortunate because that's someone that I didn't. Yeah, personally want. Judging by their like move set, other ones. Judging by the move set and ability, it's it's going to be solely a support. That is all. Yeah, you're which makes sense. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Anyway, we've talked about this a lot. We have. Josh zoned out thirty minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was. Uh, 30 uh, full minutes. Okay, as Uh, soon as you got done talking. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I do want to circle back to something because I completely forgot to ask about this. Um, Justin had commented about control. Um, He had asked, do you think Remedy can capture the same magic that Control first had with its sequels? And would you be interested in seeing a sequel to Control with a new protagonist? Um, So I'm not going to leave that up to you. Uh, Dizzy because yeah because I've yet to see magic yeah. so take it away but uh, yes 
I totally think that they can because Remedy is a very special studio. Um, as far as seeing a sequel with a new protagonist, I don't know. I kind of like Jesse. Uh, I kind of like Jesse a lot, actually. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It could be cool, but um, yeah, I don't know. Cool. So, all right. Uh, that is it. Yep. Uh, let's get our picks of the week and then we'll get out of here. So, uh, my pick of the week is going to be a little video from, uh, a guy called Ben from Canada. Uh, and it is called, uh, Tenet, a misunderstood masterpiece. And, uh, basically he goes into what makes Tenet really good. Um, and I really liked this video because it kind of nails what I think makes Nolan movies so work so well is that they have this way of like gripping you and kind of not letting go purely not even necessarily from the story, but from the way that he like directs and the way that like scenes will play out and stuff like that. And this, uh, this video kind of dives into that and I think it's uh, very good. Um, so go. go check it out. Word. All right. I still um, haven't seen Tenant. I really want to, but I just haven't. You should. You should definitely check it out. Uh, I might. Stuff. All right, uh, Austin. Give us the bad news, Austin. Yeah, yeah the sad news. Uh, my pick of the week is Vermilion by Slipknot. I uh, honestly, Vermilion is just my favorite Slipknot song. I fucking adore that song. Uh, but I've been listening to a lot of Slipknot because. Uh, their original founding drummer Joey Jordanson died in his sleep uh, uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, uh, I think it was technically like Monday night, um, and they just announced it yesterday. But yeah, real real fucking sad. Slipknot has always been one of those bands that you either really fucking adore them or you really fucking hate them. Uh, I don't. There's not. I don't ever meet too many people that are in between. Um, but. Regardless if you love them or hate them or not, uh, Slipknot had a very, very, very defining impact on metal when they came out and they really started to kind of hit their stride. So it's very sad. Yeah. And also uh, rest in peace to Mr. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top because he's gone too. Oh, yeah. I just saw that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Um. All right. So again, I never, I've, I don't think I've ever done this, but I think it's just important that it gets the message across. Hundred Foot Wave is my pick of the week again because episode two just took everything from the first episode and turned it up a notch. And what I was, I almost interrupted you earlier, Austin, because somehow it reminded me of a quote that was said in the episode that I watched today. And man, it just hit me on another level and it made me sit there and think for a few minutes. So not only is this docu-series like visually stunning to watch and not, you know, you're also learning a lot, but God, dude, it just sits there and it, it, it makes you think, man. And it, it's fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, yeah. Very That's cool. Awesome. I'll probably watch that tonight. I don't have anything to watch. I don't think. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. That's the end of our show. Uh, that's not true. I did this two weeks ago. God damn. All right. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop Hunting Pickles and the Culture Bop family of content. Culture Bop is on Twitter at Culture underscore 
Nope. Underscrop. Oh man. We're, we're gonna Underscrop. We're gonna we're gonna restart on uh, Twitter at culture underscore bop, Instagram culture underscore bop, on Facebook at the culture bop, and on YouTube at culture bop. Uh, hunting pixels. This pot. Uh, this yeah. This podcast. Uh, the social media on this. I'm thinking is going away. I think I'm going to roll it back into culture pop itself. Uh, and then we'll have one unified message, but until I 100% decide that you can find it on Twitter at pixels hunting and on Instagram at hunting underscore pixels CB. I am on Twitter at the bebop man one eight two on Instagram at bebop man one eight two and on Twitch at the underscore bebop man. Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzyTV, on Instagram at OMDizzy, at Twitch, uh, or on Twitch at OMDizzy, and on YouTube at OMDizzy. Finally, we have Mr. Stevens on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, Instagram at Big Papa Stevens underscore, or Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. Also, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Austin. He has been running the Hunting Pixels Twitter. Uh, if uh, if I go through with my idea, he will be running the Culture Bop Twitter. Um, and he's doing a real nice job. So pat on the back for him. Thanks. I don't try. Uh, finally, if you're looking to support this podcast or any of the endeavors that we're undertaking as Culture Bop, then go to patreon.com slash culture bop and toss us a pledge. We're offering some very cool perks. And once we start hitting our goals, even more content will be on its way. Um, I'm going to give a special shout out this week to Augustin Martinez, Gilbizi Kitchens, Justin Ruiz, Shareem Khan, Tani Solomon, and our newest patron, Mr. Jeffrey Scissortoe. And, yep, Jeffrey Bezos, that is correct. Hold on, hold on. Now, what, huh? What? The Scissortoe, is that an actual last name? Yes, Zerto. Uh It's S Z Y A R T O. That is awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know why I think that's such a cool last name. That's a pretty cool fucking last name. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's the end of our show. Uh, we will be back next week. And until then, goodbye.